Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. This is Jordan Grace, and you're listening to the Social Suplex Podcast Network. BWB, this is One Nation Radio. You better get it right. Rich Ladder, James Boyd came to give him life. The Blackest Wrestling Podcast has come to kick all ass and drop his six feet if they kicking trash. Word, let me welcome y'all to something different. And if you dig it, man, you should let some friends listen. We be getting it in. This on the regular, dude. Ravish and flow, but this shit rule. See, James don't rap, so I had to break it down. The whole network, man, we coming for the crown. Raps in the columns, I keep them both covered Making the beats too, so the listeners can bump it Hit us with the rating, yeah, I'm saying it's a five Before you hit it, talk, bob your head side to side It's One Nation Radio, and this is the beginning It's Rich, and I'm here with James It's time to listen to One Nation The power of the pyramid this is Mike Sempervivi from WrestlingObserver.com. Check me out on Wrestling Observer Live every day. And also check out your boys, Rich and James, on One Nation Radio. Uh, this is Kenny Omega. We're listening to One Nation Radio. Check it out, guys. These guys know what's up. Big Kenny Omega fans. That's all it counts to me. Goodbye and good night. Bang. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this week's edition of One Nation Radio. I'm James Boyd. Here with me, I have Rich Lotto. What's going on, man? Not much, man. Just been uh, playing Grand Theft Auto Five online and being a overall deviant and um, <laughs> you know having fun. Just been streaming and uh, you know last like last week I think it was I just started watching all these T Grizzly GTA videos and also YBN Almighty J. Uh-huh. Fucking hilarious. Uh, I think T Grizzly ran into Anthony Davis one time on the gta 5 and basically just pe- they go around just you know fucking shit up essentially huh. and okay yeah, it, it's like the, the t greasy online videos are fucking hilarious all right all right yeah it's actually funny because over this weekend i actually was talking to my, my brother daniel for like probably like an hour hour and a half about a bunch of different things you know he's big into gaming um and uh he was talking about how like trash the video game industry is as far as like the quality of video game because of how much because of how high and how high stakes it is and how high the graphic quality is like mm-hmm. it takes like seven years to get a really good game off the ground so if you do something as like storyline driven and is going to have a direct sequel like you're probably going to take it's probably going to take about half a decade or more to get another one off the ground if it's like not something like uh, Spider-Man where, like, you have Manhattan and then, like, you do the Miles Morales Spider-Man is basically, like, all you do is just update some shit, tweak a few things, and then you just, like, put the different version of this person. You put a different model in for mocap. So, mm-hmm. and it was, he was talking about, it's like, dude, like, cause, you know, I've been, I haven't had a system since, like, PlayStation 2. Um, and he had mentioned, like, yeah, man, like, I don't know if you know this, James, but like 
GTA 5 has been like the best video game for like the last three generations of of of, uh, of consoles. And I was like, are you serious? And he was Bro, like, yeah, yes. they, they put out GTA 5 <laughs> on PlayStation 3 or whatever right. and was doing the online. And they've been supporting new online updates like ever since. And it's out on PlayStation 5 right now, I believe. Right. And that's what he was saying. He was like, it's so hard. I just bought PlayStation 4 or the other. I, I have PlayStation 4 and I copped the, um, I had like a $25 gift card from Christmas and I got on Amazon, the premium edition. So I had like a bunch of money. Like I, I got a small loan of $1 million uh, to start with online. So I was already like in the money. You know, I, I have like, you know, I, I have, I'm off running like an online mode and, you know, I like the Rockstar game. So like, I was already familiar with like the newer kind of controls um, from Red Dead and Red Dead is like even more like like Red Dead is even like I think Red Dead's better. Personally. I'm glad you mentioned that because this is what he said. He said the only develop he's like the only people that you can trust with putting out a, or very good games with everything you want are Rockstar games. And then he talked yeah. about Red Dead. That's exactly yeah, what he said. Red Dead was fucking amazing. <laughs> like, there are people that will try to say it was boring. It was like, no. The level, like, the controls were incredible. The story was incredible. The uh, time period, the animals, the stuff you can do on the side, like, everything's amazing, pretty much. Um, but in GTA 5, feels like almost like a like a more primitive version of that, you know, yeah, controller Yeah, it came wise. out like a, yeah. a decade ago or whatever. Yeah. So, yeah. So if if you if you played Red Dead like you can play GTA Five like pretty seamlessly. Gotcha. I just I, I have no interest in really playing either one, but I've just been um you know ever since like the, that uh the Spider Man game came out like I've watched walkthroughs and I'm like I don't really have much of an interest in playing the video game anymore. Um and like quite frankly I, until this happened I didn't know I had any interest in watching anybody play a fucking video game but it was like <laughs> you know like if you get the right title and the right with you know the right you know story where it's like you know similar to like a Metal Gear Solid type of thing where it's like my favorite set of video games where like them shits are movies that you happen to also have really good you know stuff in between the, the cut scenes or whatever else cinematic stuff then like mm-hmm. it can work for you so it's like my favorite sets of video games from the PlayStation up have been the Metal Gears and then it was like I stopped playing games and then it you know, then this right up my alley. If, if it's not like if I'm not playing a video game, we don't have a system. So that's how I got hooked up on watching like scooter gaming or um, the Rad Brad. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, yeah. So we, we talked about a bunch of different things. We had talked about the Rockstar thing and all these games, especially like the Cyberpunk 2027 fiasco. With like, he was like, if you have a if you have that on a console. I don't know what the fuck you're doing. That's what he said to me. He's like, the only way that shit's going to work out for you is if you have a high-level PC to run all the, you know, bad programming they've done on that. And I was like, well, if this is so highly anticipated on this stuff, why didn't it get time? And he explained it's like, this industry is so screwed up or whatever. Who would have side point? Well, I'll talk more about it off-air, but... Um, yeah. yeah, man. <sighs> President Trump has been impeached for a second time. Hey, this is the last One Nation radio of the Trump era. Do we? I mean, cool. Like, <laughs> whatever. It's been a fucking Man. nightmare. <laughs> it's been a nightmare. Wow. Um, that was a long four long years. Ass four years. Yeah, especially when like it's it really long like four years. Eight. If I mean, well, this last year has been five years, so you know. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it by evens out. Yeah. Yeah. Like never has a never has a one term president felt like they've been there for three terms. 
um, in the way that presses like the way that Trump has. Um, yeah, man, um, it's crazy. It's deserved, obviously. Um, he, you know, this is taken off of what we talked about last week with um, the Capitol riot, and you know, there's not even crazier stories about the Capitol riot. Just as how dangerous it was, how close people there was to being like, you know, worse than you know, four or five deaths. You know, one minute, uh, uh, Mike Pence is um, isn't secured yet, and then a minute later, the mob comes through. Um, the last line of defense between getting to some of the congressmen and, and women um, are literally like four people in a hallway. Like yeah. it's, you know, in some cases a single police. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's 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 wild. You, you, you know, you we now are r- reporting in um, rumblings that this may have been a fucking inside job. Absolutely disappointing. Throw them under the jail. It, Lock him up. I, I mean, that's kind of the way this is going to go. If 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 this turns out that you know, given the pandemic era, there have been no tours given out to people on on in these uh, buildings, and then that week leading up to it, Republican. Uh, senators and whatnot are giving so many people that turn to be some of these crazies that were involved in this riot, you know, recon and floor plan or you know a, a floor run to know to, to kind of uh, orient themselves on how to get through this, you know, this big ass building that a lot of people get lost in all the time, and then you see videos of them, you know, radio in, you know, basically like a, having some type of knowledge of this floor plan, mm-hmm. then yeah. People need to get locked the fuck up. Um, it, it's crazy. It's crazy. Um, <laughs> we, uh, yeah, it's I only feel gonna like get we, crazier. It's only yeah, gonna get crazier. It's, it's only gonna be crazier. And you think the inauguration is Wednesday? I talked to my dad uh, yet earlier today. My dad lives in Washington D.C. Um, he's not planning to go out very much. <laughs> Yeah. Um, he's a he's anticipating you know some bullshit happening, um, and aren't we all like yeah? Uh, you know I I think Trump or excuse me uh, Biden might as well go ahead and get inaugurated on GTA Five online, and then everybody can just show up. You know, you know that that might be the way to go. Think but think I, how, think how crazy this is, right? First black president, his inauguration day, two thousand eight. And we all thought, don't leave out that fucking uh, truck. Do not leave out that <laughs> fucking truck, right? Yeah. Or at least, uh, not everybody, but a lot of people thought, like, don't leave out that fucking truck. It'll end up being like Eddie Murphy on Delirious making a joke about, you know, J- Jesse Jackson that won the presidency and him doing speeches while dodging like he's Barry Sanders, right? Yep. <sighs> that has to be a concern if you're Joe Biden. Yeah. Given, given all the idiots that are going to come into into DC video screen, bitch, I, I'll be coming out there on the Jerry World television, like I'll yeah. wheel that shit right out there and be like, "Yeah, I'm here inside the White House." Yeah, you know, and you just, and look, even if, if you are scared of of something like that, or if it, or if you've been grabbed and say that it's such a security risk, you still have the whole thing of saying, "Look." 
it's a it's a pandemic. I understand that we're going to do this like a state of the like I think the same um, number of people as a state of the union thing. You could be like, we ain't even going to do that. We we could do this in the oh, <laughs> we could do this in like uh in the in or by the rose garden or whatever else in in call it a day. Or we could do this like on the Senate floor. I don't want to. We're not going to do this out in the open <laughs> or yeah. in some situation that I can't secure and have you know shooters to cover me for shooters. You know what I'm saying yeah. that sort of thing. Yeah. It's it's wild. Even though I think it's already going to happen, but I'm like, they're so crazy. They'll find a way, and all these people are trained and ex-military, or not all of them, but so many of them are. Yeah, so some of them are fake military out yeah. there. Yeah, yeah, paramilitary and para uh, paramilitias. So wow. I, I, you know, I just want to say this, like about you know Trump. He was impeached twice. Mm-hmm. He lost a popular vote twice. Yep. Lost both the House and the Senate for his party in his only term. He said he lost the House. Remember when he said you're going to do so much winning. You're going to get, yes. Mm -hmm. Like, you're going to get tired of all the winning and everything else. But all this shown is that this grifter is an ultimate loser. So, yeah, and um, as he's can't no wait, the president, can't wait to see him uh, fly off. And as he's the um, no longer the president, they will be proceedings to make sure that he can never run for office again. Yeah, after this, so um, yeah, there's let's, that. Let's, let's do the right thing, senators and Congress people. Let's let's go ahead and uh, let's go ahead and uh, secure that. Let's do the right thing. <laughs> They're trying to get their own people knocked off, Rich. Yeah, oh, you know it, uh, it's my job. All right, so I, I, Fun I guess times. I, that was the biggest, uh, na- biggest international and national news of of last week or since we've done the show. It's um, Martin Luther King Day. Yeah, it is Martin Luther King Day, which makes it even funnier given some of the people that you know every year. <laughs> People that are involved around um, the Republican Party, the Trump administration, people that have exposed themselves as bigots and um, flat out capitalists. And, you know, they, uh, you know, do the Dr. King quotes and just like, you wouldn't have rotten if he was still here. Like, at all. One trend that I've liked in recent times that is that has come of dr king day um is like the discovery of all these color photographs and color videos like stuff that like you didn't always see like because they like to make it seem like it was so long ago but like people was like my grandmother's just like alive my grandma was born in 1942 like she was like 26 years old and when, when dr king got shot like well I mean, let's let's do this. He died in what sixty eight, right? He got or died. He got assassinated in sixty eight, right? Yeah. All right. My mom was born in sixty five. My mom was born in sixty one. So you know it's I'm saying like, like nah. So like for me, it's like I get what you're saying because black and white does the, do that to you. But yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. So so like seeing him in color, it's like man, it, like you're seeing him in regular clothes, like uh, almost like you know, I saw him in a jean jacket today. Mm-hmm. I was like, I've never seen this before. So, like, wh- whoever you know keeps finding all these pictures, keep uncovering them because I I love seeing them. So yeah, um, 
it's it's crazy to think about as far as you know Dr. King in Dr. King's assassination and what happened last week on the Capitol or two weeks ago um, or whatever the 6th I think yeah January 6th on, on the Capitol and think of like how all the ways these are t- all tied together and just like wow like you think of what America claims itself to be or when they, people say you know that it, this isn't us and that sort of stuff and you know obviously mm-hmm. you you roll your eyes you're like no you idiot of course it is us like look at the history <laughs> and us. you know and then you see and you think like well you know that's not necessarily what they mean it's more of an aspirational thing of saying like we should know better trying to shame us into acting right or, you know and everything and it's like I get that but it, it's just it's crazy to think of like this is supposed to be a liberal democracy and you think of the people that have been in power and in charge of this liberal democracy for um, before the country's existence and this country has never even it, it is only in its words is it ever really um, even tried to uh, be a liberal democracy except for like the last 50 years and like you think yeah. of how that ties together with like last fifty years, it also is like King's death as well is tied to, into that, right? With you know the different civil rights acts that were passed in the sixties, and you're just like, wow. Like think of think of the the lives lost, think of the lives wrecked, think of <laughs> all of that stuff to uphold these these sorts of things, and they're even like even like white supremacy is toxic to to white people. And, but they but they still but it's still been clasped to like yeah. all around not just this country but like the western world and it's just like wow like y'all understand like this like y'all having to you know do all this extra stuff to quote unquote uh you know hold rule is also exhausting on y'all and y'all know and y'all still they they willing to have that fight yeah you know? it's 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 wild it's really wild um, like, I'm sorry, like, you know, people that, like, are looking, you know, listen to this, man, and be like, yo, how can we help, and, like, how can, you know, is there any hope, like, nah. <laughs> Ain't no hope, like. It's pretty, it's, it's I mean, it's there's, nothing, bleak, there's nothing, there's like nothing, there is nothing, um, well, not nothing, there is very little to look at in terms of believing, uh, um, This not just being another step in something will get figured out and then it will be adapted to and then we'll continue and it will uphold the status quo. It's kind of how it's been here. Um, like I will say that Trump losing in the fashion that he did was a bit of a spark. Um, and, you know, it got my blood pumping. Yeah, it, it, it's like those, those are what gets you going, like the small little moments in, in the mosaic of, you know, the history of this country is like, wow, that's 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 bleak. <laughs> that's real bleak. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, I, uh, I, yeah. I think the I think, you know, we talk about hope and optimism. I think the the, the 
proper path is always like to look for hope in your own lives and not in the macro because if you get so tied up worried about the macro which you know there's a lot of reason to be stuck on that or to be concerned about that because you know that's most of us but if you can find moments in your life and in the lives of your friends and family and people um, that you interact with on a daily basis I think that I think for me that's how I kind of keep my mental um, health together um, at the worst times like stuff like this seeing just like damn they, they really hate it's that toxic um, so you know that's that's kind of the only real advice I have for for anyone or or, if or ever become a rapper like me and, and make songs about it. So <laughs> got, I have a new uh, project coming. I have a couple uh, songs addressing uh, the last like you know year and shit like that. So, so like yeah, I don't know who is going to write the definitive Trump administration book, but. It's going to be a Herculean task to keep that thing under three under four hundred pages. It's going to be so hard. No, nah, they're going to they they got to break out that that Simmons length, that seven hundred. <laughs> I'm just saying, like someone's going to do it. Someone's going to do it. Like you know, someone's going to have the uh, the you know, so we're a book that someone is going to hold up and say this is the you know the one that in the next five years or so. Uh, you know, it just in a short view, the long view, there'll be more, obviously there'll be more for the rest of time, like beyond our death, there'll be books on this, this nonsense, but there's in the next five years, there will be a one that will be held up as a quote, at least for, for the time, for that time, it'll be the quote unquote definitive thing. And I just can't imagine that thing being on 400 pages. I just can't. Um, anyway, uh, I guess we move on to, uh, Welcome. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we can move to uh, far less uh, troubling um, news, depressing news. Um, James Harden has been traded from the Houston Rockets to the Brooklyn Nets. Um, this is immense. This is going on at the same time that Kyrie Irving is on a sabbatical hiatus, uh, work stoppage. I don't know what you want to call it. He's not playing right now. No one knows why he's not playing. Um, I'm not really that concerned why he's not playing. These games are January games, and, you know, word sounds like they expect him back. So if they expect him back, I'm, and they, and, you know, James, or not James Harden, but uh, Kevin Durant seems okay with it, then it's not a problem. It only becomes a problem if if Kevin <laughs> Durant has a problem with it. So if it's good for him, it's good for everybody, I guess. Um, so eventually he'll be back. Um, James Harden and uh, Durant have played two games uh, since. Uh, they've won both. They just beat the Bucks. Um, they look really good together. Uh, obviously, they, you know the history with them in OKC. Um, but I don't know where do you want to take it off with this, uh, Rich? Um. Uh, let's see. I think it sucks for the Houston Rockets. Um, yeah. and the fans in Houston that have literally tied their identities to James Harden and defending him and um, you know their style of basketball for all these years and to see him cry and quit his way out of town and then go exactly where he wanted to 
that was kind of disheartening, but um, it was funny. You know, he showed up all fat, not a shape, and then someone, you know, finally had the uh, like. It was only so long, like that locker room was gonna like let it slide, and then Boogie, you know, actually said something about it, and then the next day yeah. it was the like, lo- yeah, the we're keeping room- James away from the team and probably for his own good. Like <laughs> the locker room responsible guy, Demarcus Cousins. The guy that we, the guy that we know on the record, cussed out his, multiple head coaches in front of his teammates. That guy is is uh the, the quote unquote uh you know guy as far as um. No, we don't have it up here. You know? It's like okay, sure, 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 Demarcus. <laughs> yeah. Um. So I I've never been like you know a big James Harden fan or anything, but um he's a great player and putting him with. KD and Kyrie Irving is like a devastating offensive combo that oh yeah I've I've tried out in in video games before <laughs> like you know I I don't know why they they so late I've been you know experiment with that lineup um you know you get your your OKC Thunder reunion I think Kevin Durant probably secures himself as like having the most you know superstar help I think of anyone ever like it's like his whole career he's been playing with great talent. Um, uh, what I, I, I get you saying the young thunder Westbrook, um, it comes all NBA guy. Harden should have made the all-star team his last year in OKC, but then, and was going to make him in the future, obviously, um, go to, okay. You go, to, then you look at the Warriors and you look at where he is now with Harden, you know, in Kyrie, I get what you're saying. I mean, I'd, yeah. I'd have to look it over. You're probably right though. It's I, like I don't he's really up there. Like, <laughs> um, yeah. I, I, you know, they looked like they were going to the finals. I think from the first like game I saw them anyway without Harden. Mm-hmm. Um, I still think they're going to the finals, and you know, the Lakers be waiting for them. And it'll be very interesting to see. Like, you know, there's a lot of narratives at play. I just wonder which ones are going to bubble up. Um, I think the Lakers are a better team right now, but um, yeah, that that firepower like. You know, those three guys, like, whenever Kyrie's, like, locked in, like, that man is unstoppable. He can finish at the rim, and if he gets hot, it's a wrap. Harden, like he, same thing. Like, if, if you know, say he does stink, like, you know, he, he's prone to do in the playoffs, like, a, a, in a big game. Like, yeah. Kevin Durant's right there. He don't be stinking. So. <laughs> yeah. um, and, and also, like, you know, you got Kyrie Irving in the – in a role of not having to be the leader or the person that you look to at all times or most times on a team. And when we've seen him do that, we've seen him be great. So, um, yeah, I, I think the thing for me was, you know, similar to when Chris Paul got to the Rockets, it was like, you know, so many people doubted, you know, how can they share the ball? And, you know, Chris is so ball dominant and James Harden is so ball dominant and, like you can come up with lineups to to split time and then come to crunch time and then you can handle that. You you do all this different thing, all these different things you can do to, you know, not have to worry about someone you know icing somebody out or that sort of thing. Um, so I think that in you know another thing is like they also want all three of them want to play together. So it's like that's eighty percent of the of the ish of the um of any of that chemistry stuff is. Like uh, worrying about that stuff popping up is like nah, I don't think so because like they want to play together. Like the Harden and Westbrook thing, they to, both. To, to be fair, James Harden has wanted to play with a lot of people and it hasn't worked. 
But what do we mean by hasn't worked? Do we mean like it didn't work as far as their chemistry ultimately failing them or it didn't work because like they weren't good enough? It always ends in get this motherfucker out of here. You didn't ask my question. Does well, it end because is it does it ever end because they're not talent they're they're talented enough to actually beat every team in the NBA or the best team in the NBA to win the title or is it because chemistry sunk them like it was Shaq and Kobe or something because I don't think any it's ever been some Shaq and Kobe or name another bad breakup that you can think of I always think it's like yeah they're on a team that has two stars and they're up against a team with two or three stars and they lost and you shrug but like, I, if, I if you want to boil it down to, to that simple like you know thing like yeah if, if it's just a star thing but it's like when you're on your home court and you're going out like and you're getting hold like <laughs> <laughs> like, did they get hold, but, my, but did they get hold because Chris Paul in uh, well I can't even say Chris Paul because Paul tore his hamstring but like did they get hold because James uh, because James Harden and Dwight Howard didn't get along or did they get hold because like Dwight or because James Harden had a bad game and he went out when their best player had a bad game like I like I don't think it could be, I don't think it could be <laughs> James Harden is a choker in a bad chemistry guy and the guy that's a bad that he had bad chemistry is a guy that like everybody hates even more than James Harden. Like it's like damn, like everything is James Harden's fault when it when it goes wrong. Everything like and, and I'm not saying like yes when he play bad and you get sent out yes it is your fault. I'm not saying he should be absolved of that. What I'm saying is like it's hard for me to fathom people saying that like that guy is. It went bad with uh, Dwight Howard. It went bad with Russell Westbrook, even though it really didn't go bad with Westbrook. And it went bad with Chris Paul. And it's like, well, what what do people say about Dwight Howard and Chris Paul? It's like, it's it's it to me it was like I don't necessarily think the the James Harden and Chris Paul thing was some disaster. It's like they're up three two on the Warriors. His hamstring went out or Chris Paul's hamstring went out, they lost, they go play next series, by the time they're, uh, next year, like, Chris Paul got hurt in the middle of the season, James Harden completely decided to go and say, in order for me to carry this team into the playoffs, while Chris is out, I have to change my game to strictly isolation, and he did that, and then when Chris Paul came back, he refused to adjust, and when Chris Paul would have the ball, James Harden was deciding not to be to partake in the offense and they were playing four on five. Chris Paul said, Hey, we can't win this way. Chris Paul was right. And James Harden has more or less or until he gets to Brooklyn has played like in that mode from 2019 to now. And now he's in Brooklyn and he's back to being the James Harden before that happened. Like nothing happened. It's like for me, you could say like yes, he should have adjusted, and but you you know how it is in the league. Like, are you gonna listen to Chris Paul when you're that much better than him at that point in time? Because most people don't. That's that's the history of the NBA. Why should I listen to you? I kill you in practice all the time. Or I'm way better than you in practice all the time. And like, if you want to say you know James Harden's commitment level or whatever else, because all the strip clubs or the his uh, physique at times, whatever else. Have at it. I got no. I got nothing on y'all for that because it's there. It's obvious, right? We always talk about players burning the candle on both ends. That's you know we talk about Iverson. We talk about Michael Jordan retiring three times, right? So, <laughs> like, for me, just like that dude in this situation, 
like I feel like this covers his shortcomings. Like, are you worried about him shooting a team out of the out of a big situation when like if he misses a bunch of shots, they'll just take the ball of his hand and give it to Kevin Gar- or Kevin Durant or uh, Kyrie. Like, I feel like that takes up a lot of the thing, and that's the same thing with the Chris Paul thing. Why I thought they was going to work, which it did for the most part, was that it's like Harden is trying to either farm fouls, take threes, or get to the hoop. He doesn't want to take any mid range. You play him with Chris Paul. Chris Paul will take all the mid range you got, and it was a perfect marriage until the man's hamstring went out. And you know now he's on a team where it's like, all right, late game situations. Durant can handle that. Uh, Kyrie can handle that. Mid-range shots, those two will handle all of that. So for me, offensively, I think it's going to be a perfect match given how they can all shoot, even when you got uh, Joe Harris out there, the four shooters. Defense is my real, my really my only concern with them. I think they're going to cakewalk to the finals. Um, yeah, they should beat the shit out of everybody. <clears throat> like, it shouldn't even be like, like unless like Embiid like just goes all world like Elijah Wan like I think he's gonna be, be more like sh- like t- like some of those Shaq forty twenty games and that still might not be enough. <laughs> um, you know the crazy thing about that game one of the two thousand one finals like lost in the fact that Iverson went off for like let's say forty nine forty eight forty eight Shaq had forty and twenty in that game <laughs> no one remembers that. Yeah, bro. It, it, it helps. It, it helps. It helps when Tom McCullough is guarding you, bro. <laughs> and then game two, Shaq did it again, forty and twenty. It's like, yo, this dude was outrageous in the in the, some of these final games. Like looking at Shaq, some of y'all let the, you know young don't really remember what Shaq was. Just thinking he's just a gigantic dinosaur or whatever else. I want you to just like to throw, like go to basketball reference, look through some of those some of those finals game logs, and be like, oh my god, he had a. He almost had a quadruple double in the finals. Like he was outrageous, outrageous. But um, yeah. Anyway, I, I think you know, I think we're staring down Lakers and in, in Nets. I think that's really what we're talking about. We're staring down Lakers, Lakers and Nets. Um, right now, obviously the Lakers are a better team. Like I think they're so good that like they're not even playing hard. I actually watched them on. I think it was Friday. They're not actually playing hard. And they're still beating teams by double digits. Um, it's it's kind of crazy. Um, you know. LeBron is playing low minutes and because he's playing low minutes, he's playing with high energy and like I think he's probably the front runner for MVP as of this moment given the record and the numbers but whatever else. Obviously it's early like some of the stuff will shake out like I think someone will emerge out of you know in the next coming months that'll supplant LeBron if he doesn't you know run his minutes up eventually but yeah I just um I think of I don't know who's going to win I think the series will be going seven. I need to see Kyrie with them for like a month to kind of get an idea of like where I where I would go for who will win in seven between those two. Um, I think it's imperative for the Lakers, not imperative, but I think it will be important for the Lakers if they ever potentially get could get fans for the finals to get the best record in the league. <laughs> so you know it comes to down to game seven. You have fans there, and then you just and you, you can watch that. But um, yeah, it's gonna it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be fun. Like, uh, the Lakers have the best defense in the league so far this year. While I'm not playing hard, which is like I don't know how you do that. <laughs> how do you have the best defense in the league while you're not playing hard? Defense is predicated on playing hard. Um, but yeah, like uh, you know, I think they have 
given the way they play, I think they have like two or three, maybe even th- two or th- or maybe even three gears uh, left as far as how high they can crank this shit up uh, when it comes down to it. So, um, given the kind of you know potential and ceiling the, the Nets have offensively, um, I think this could be. I thought I never was going to be able to see something that looked like the 2017 Finals. But yeah. <laughs> we might yeah. see it again. I thought I was never seeing that again. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, you know, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. You, should we talk about the concern for, for the, for the, uh, for the fans of teams in small markets it, or, which you know, Houston's or, the fourth biggest city, fourth biggest city in the uh, country. But should we worried about t- teams having superstars and them leaving, or can we just be okay because, like, you know, teams get rid of players all the fucking time? Oh no, I, I'd rather like. It's it's weird, like the tactics that I feel like are happening, like how people force themselves off teams, like in the middle of contracts, and just all right. If there are no contracts, it's like. This is just a mercenary league, like, and I like that a whole lot less. Eh, I, I, I don't care. Like, I, I've always seen it as you. I, I've always felt that the draft was was unfair anyway. Like that stuff. If if your argument is how else we're going to distribute this talent, then well, then make a um. A salary cap system with no max salary or no max salary, and then that will set, that will straighten itself out, right? If you have the potential to make seventy million dollars, I don't think you're going to pass that up to go play for twenty million dollars. I just don't. Um, and win. I I think that a lot of this stuff when people complain about the the talent distribution and say well only X number of teams ever win is like alright well how many teams have won how many teams have won NBA championships in the last uh, 30 years let's see let's do this right the Lakers have won what 11 championships in the last 30 years 31 years yeah the Bulls won 6 yep Celtics won 4 Celtics won at least three. Four. Oh, four. Yeah, four. Yeah. Warriors won three. Yep. Spurs won five. Yep. That's over half. That's, that's like 20 of the of the 30 championships. And that's like five teams. Yeah. So what do we come to? Do you think that's more competitive than uh, college football? Over the last 30 years? Because it's not. I don't know. Um, All right, because it, feel, it feels Tennessee. like in ba- I was gonna say it feels like in basketball, like you. It feels like because there are so many games that are played, like it's like, well, all right, they uh, like there's like more of an illusion of competition. But that's all it is—an illusion, and we've known this every year. We go into the every year since we've done the One Nation Radio radio show podcast actually we have gone into there has not been one year where we were like yeah there are there are more there are like five teams that can win the title there's only been four or three or two or one 
I don't think it's necessarily even about like just winning the title in, in a lot of cases for people too, because people follow like you know their teams for years and years and years, and it's like you get you know the you get it taken from you or you know I don't know. It's like it it's like you you can gain in this system and then you can lose in this system because all of a sudden your team could have like you know like you can be a Cavs fan and then you have like three All Stars like you can. Uh, I, I think it goes around more yeah. than it gets credit for, but mm-hmm. like it, it just like the optics are fucking terrible. Like what, what, what Harden did like to start this year. Like it's just like, how do you root for that? How do you be happy for that? Dwayne Wade had to come out here and cap to talk about you know, you know, try this on for a narrative. Like it was like a smiling picture of James Harden in his Nets jersey. He was like, you know, I'm happy for that black man. Like. It's like, bro, this ain't have shit to do with him being black. Like, this is like, that's not why people like, you know, are upset with this man. It's like, yo, you came in fat and you quit and you cried your way out of town. Like, but he didn't stop. Come in fat. That man was fat. So how, how much? So he lost thirty pounds in a month. In a month, I don't know if it was thirty pounds, but come on, man, like. The dude I, I was seen the shape. same pictures you did. Yeah, and um, I also saw the pictures like two days later after though when he looked perfectly fine. Like yeah. this dude clearly was a, is a person that watches what he eats and has an occasional cheat day. And I guess because he wants to want to get the fuck out of there and they didn't want to acquiesce to what he wanted. And guarantee, I can almost guarantee that like over these years when he was with more when Maury was still there, he had a guarantee where if shit ever went left, he can get out of there. And then like Fertitta didn't want to hold up to it. Mm. And like that, like, like we're not even getting into the part where like Fertitta's like the, one of the worst owners in in the sport, even though like whatever, like but um, he's so bad that they gave James Harden everything he ever wanted. So remember, <laughs> Fertitta was not there. Remember, Fertitta bought yeah. that team in the last couple of years. He he wasn't. Um, oh, I can't remember who the old old the old owners were. Um, can't remember who the old. I don't, owners I don't remember were, but, who they are. Um, but yeah, Fertitta bought that that. You know, he bought the team when he had no actual money to really buy them. Like, you know, so Bro. <laughs> yeah. So, like, you notice, you notice, like, yeah, you know, you could get uh, Ben Simmons, and he's like, nah, I'd rather have uh, Victor Oladipo, who whose contract ends next year. <laughs> slash and pay, slash and pay. Uh, anyway, yeah, I just, I just. You know, for me, it's like I don't really see the Harden stuff as uh, somehow some unbelievable or not unbelievable, like some something egregious compared to the other things we've seen people do to get the fuck out of there. Like we saw, it's like, just we, the latest we grew one. Up with Carter, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, it's it's just the latest one. Like and like going back to like the Paul George like you know thing and you know them clearing out like all those draft picks. It's like. Yeah, it, it, it's just you know, there's so and then Anthony Davis. Like I was no fan of how that whole thing went down, but like I don't think the Anthony Davis one was as bad as this one because at least like Anthony Davis was like I'd like to play, and I'm Davis ready to play. Anthony Davis willing to play and show up and do all and of that. The team and was they, like, and, and, nah. then, and then they, they treated him bad. Right, exactly. I, that's why I, I didn't like that. I was like, the man's like, you know, he's ready to honor his contract, but right. at the same time, like, he's like, hey, you know, he he came and wanted to do it the right way or whatever. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, and I mean, I, I there's there is no right way for a superstar player to to ask for their spot to, or, or to ask to get the hell out of Dodge unless it's 
you are over 30 and you have been deemed by the eyes of the majority of the fa- of the NBA fandom or whatever sports you're in uh, that you have been wronged by mismanagement so people would like to see you go win a title or compete for a title elsewhere that's 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 the only real way that's the only real way and I think and I think the thing is like well bro like so only four people can ever leave like four people in the decade can ever leave like uh, it's like for me, it's like people trade people, and they even go back to the Kawhi Leonard thing. As far as like him trying to or him getting out of a uh, or not Toronto, but uh, San Antonio, it's like they never offered him the max. Mm-hmm. So it's like when people, you know, he didn't get much of it because he's so quiet and like, no, how can you possibly hate that dude when he never? You don't even. You're <laughs> unless you're Michelle Beadle, right? <laughs> um, like you are talking yourself into him being a bad character when he has given you nothing to believe to, to show you that he is one good or bad, right? Um, but it's like they never offered the mask. They were worried about his knee or hamstring or whatever or quad actually. And then like he was like, all right, well, I want to go somewhere where I can get the max deal. Slash, I'm tired of being here, and like y'all are gonna be sorry when like Manu and Parker, you know, like finally wash up, get me out of here. And then they, you know, he obviously said he wanted to go to the Lakers or the Clippers, and they said, fuck you, you're going to Toronto. He won a title. Then he still went to the Clippers. Um, so for me, it's like all these things, you know, even the Paul George thing um, back in Indiana. Like, I know you were talking, when you talked about the picture, you were talking about, um, you were talking from OKC to the Clippers, but like, yeah. the reason why he ended up leaving is like, the Pacers didn't want to pay him, you know, max money. They were like, yeah, you know, you're at the, fr- not the fringe, but like, you are that second tier, third tier uh, elite player in the NBA, we don't really want to pay you. And it's like, all right, well, trade me. Like, you know, the owners always come up with some nonsense to, you know, um, not nonsense, but they always come up with these parameters till they can idiot-proof themselves and then they mess around and fall, (laughs) you know, still, still fall for all this stuff. Like, DeMarcus Cousins with his money. Like with uh with Sacramento, he's a max level player. They didn't want to pay him. They didn't they didn't trust him. He ended up in New Orleans. He was great in New Orleans. He ended up tearing his Achilles. You know, like it's. I'm always trying to find figure out like for me it's just like hey man like y'all make all these decisions and it's cool but then the second like a player who quite frankly I. The top five, six, seven, eight players in NBA, like I trust building. I, I trust building around them and what they want than what y'all want to do. Um, so it is. This is weird. Like I feel like you know. I feel like if this was a actual free market or whatever else, this would sort itself out. We have to worry about these things, but because it's tied people are so tied up to their identity and their community when it comes to these sports teams that they can't just like let this shit run like they want anything else. And then you throw in the, the race, the racial component. Um, so for me is I'm always just like, I don't really know how to handle this, but like, if I am a superstar, I don't really feel comfortable just leaving it up to y'all. I don't, I won't know you're incompetent. I won't know you're incompetent until it's too late. Mm-hmm. So, um, that's kind of where I'm on it. And like, you yeah. know, I, I just feel like there should be like, you know, more of a balance, like on these things, it can't just all be like washed in players and empo- and player empowerment because it's like, 
it, it's just the fucking wild west like at that point and then if it's like you know just the owners like just doing what they want like that's not fair to players either right. like so so uh, are you saying that we should go back to like uh the the, the six and seven year nba deals for more security for nba teams because they, they didn't want that they they wanted they got they the last lockout was, and hey, we were tired of those. We want the five year deals, and then all of a sudden, they're like, "Oh my God, they're turning down money. Be- the money won't get us, won't get them to stay in Oklahoma City. What are we going to do?" Like, yeah. <laughs> don't. Yeah. It's like, you know, <laughs> be a competent franchise. You know, buy two K and, and learn how to play GM mode and learn how to win and put the rosters together. You know, uh, you know. So that's why I'm just cheering for Lamelo now. So you know. <laughs> No, <laughs> can you imagine? <laughs> yeah, man. Let's get to this. Oh, oh, hold on, real quick. Speaking of speaking of Lamelo, like I haven't talked to you about this, but like, have you seen Gordon Hayward since he's been back? People said that um, this man has been playing like he's upset with the results of an election. He's stupid. He's been playing like he's been worth every like he's worth every bit of that money he got. To be to be fair, since he came back, so like you know, keep an eye out. He's due to drop anytime because he's always injured. Uh, given ever since well, the second point on Celtics jersey, he's always been injured. But um, yeah, I'm glad I'm glad that like you know he's he's playing well because he's like I've always liked this that, game. That contract looked terrible, bitch. Like <laughs> I'm not saying it's not like because my whole thing isn't my whole thing isn't whether or not he can play up to it because like when he could play, yeah, he could play up to it, but. I don't trust him to stay healthy, right? Like that's one of those contracts where it's like you know you you give Chris Paul the max two years ago. It's like you know what this means, right? <laughs> you know you're, he's going to miss like six weeks of every season uh, when it comes to this. Like with, with uh, Hayward, it was even worse. But um, you know what this comes with, and like if you're willing to pay that, fine. I wouldn't have done it if it, if it was my team. But like you know, for some reason, people love that dude a lot. Um, like Jordan really loved him. I remember he um when he re- hit restricted free agency, they gave him an offer sheet that got that Utah match. So it's like this is a thing where like he's fucking wanted Gordon Hayward for for years now, and he finally got him. I'm like good luck with that, buddy. Good luck with that. Um, I, yeah. but they're going, they're doing well so far. Lamelo, I think he's going to be good regardless of whatever, what, regardless of whatever he ever makes shots. Uh, but um. I hope he makes shots. He could be like really good. He could be like an all star if he starts making shots. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, let's get to the to to the pro wrestling. Why? Yes, yes, yes Why yes, we're yes, here? Yes. Um, so, what what do we have in in rest? Oh, hard to kill. Uh, I watched the main event. Uh, it was actually pretty good. Okay. Uh, good brothers and Kenny and against Moose. Uh, uh, Moose, Chris Saban, and Rich Swan, and I gotta say, I was very impressed with Moose. Um, I know it we're not allowed to... guns? So, uh, Alex Shelley had to pull out of the match in the last minute. Like It was kind of undisclosed reason, so it... I don't know if it was a medical thing. He also works in the medical field, so I don't know. Like He put mm. a video out. I didn't watch it. Gotcha. But, okay. um, the match essentially got rebuilt around like impressive moose spots and moose is a big impressive athlete and i know you're not really supposed to like moose because he you know has a long reputation but for this match like uh every time he was in with kenny was awesome i want to see a kenny versus moose match um rich swan we know rich swan's a good wrestler Mm -hmm. i feel like there's something missing like 
as being a world champion. Like, I don't see him on that level. The work with him and Kenny was good. Whenever they do their match, uh, it's going to be probably awesome. Uh, Kenny actually beat him with the one-winged angel. Uh, No bullshit. Uh, It took a magic killer and a one-winged angel to put him down. And uh, the next pay-per-view, Rebellion, it it has, like, Kenny Omega's uh, logo in it. On, on the uh, thing, so we can assume that Kenny will probably be challenging for the Impact title after that. I probably would have went like four stars, four and a quarter on the match. I was pretty good, and it looked like you know, like it, it was really, it was really fun. And Moose was the star of the match. Okay, that's cool. Oh, was there anything else you caught from that pay per view? No, <laughs> actually, um, if I hadn't have been so caught up on trying to catch up with all the Wednesday stuff today. Um, I would have checked that out. I probably would have went to check out the um, Perrazzo, uh, uh Taya match. Um, there was also a there was an X Division triple threat too. I would probably want to look th- that one up too. Um, also, as well. Matt Cardona Impact. Oh, hmm. all right. Well, well, you know, if he's there, good for him. I don't have to watch him, so. Um, that that's that is for eight bit suplex to do. So, <laughs> God bless him. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I guess I'll check out the uh, the Omega match because uh, that's really what I was going to. That's the reason why I ended up getting a copy of it um, in the first place. But yeah, uh, I guess we can move on to Dynamite. Yeah, man. Um, so this is night two, New Year's Smash. Not as good um, as night one. Uh. Yeah, not as good as night one. I, I did like it though. Um a lot of a lot of stuff on the show like that was pretty cool, like that move, you know, stuff forward. Um open we had Pac and Eddie Kingston. Uh this was an interesting match, um <laughs> to say the least, because like I don't like it's weird, like Eddie Kingston like I don't know what it is, but like seeing Pac as a babyface with him is is fucking hilarious because like I haven't seen Pac as a babyface for so long, and mm-hmm. now that he's babyface again, it's it's uh, it's interesting. But but he's a babyface while still doing all uh, most of the stuff that like he does while he's a heel, like yeah, and you know he's so much smaller than um, Kingston, and Kingston is just. He's wrecking Kingston. Like he just mushing this man with front kicks over and over over and over and pump kicks and like he just beat the shit out of Kingston. Like I, I he just beat him to death. Um I don't know what what you want to do a run through in the match, but I just felt like he just he just he yeah, took like eighty percent of the match, seventy five percent of the match. You fucked him up. They they did do some chops, uh, yes. uh chop sequence with, with with Kingston, like in Eddie Kingston throws like like uh some of the best chops out there. They look good. Uh, yeah. Looks like there's a lot of force behind them. Uh Pac gave him uh the uh, top rope insecurity and the superplex. Um Pac also locked on the uh he gave him the black arrow for the win and then put on the brut- uh, brutalizer until Butcher and Blade ran out and then uh they all squared off and Lance Archer's music hit. Lance and then Jake came out and you know they they had some words for each other, so I don't know where that's going, but uh it's like, you know, maybe Pack versus Lance. I'd love to see that. Yeah, that'd be cool. Um, <clears throat> we had Miro against uh, Chuck Taylor. This was actually all right. It was very short. Um, he defeated Chuck Taylor, and Chuck has to be his butler until uh, you know uh, Penelope Ford and Kip Sabian's wedding, which will be at like Beach Break, I believe. Um, Miro beat some more ass 
Uh, so he still hasn't lost. So what's he uh, like five and oh six and oh uh, six or seven? I, I think yeah. I I was surprised <clears throat> by how much offense uh, Chuck Taylor got in. Um, they this match could have been done a lot quicker. Obviously, you know you got to give Chuck Taylor something, but I. He was all over Miro. Miro was selling around for him a lot, and I'm just like, I don't, I don't know. It's such a departure from what we know of Miro and how he got over in WWE um, that it's almost like it's disconcerting for me. Like I'm not saying necessarily it's bad, but it's still jarring to see this dude sell for someone on the level of truck of, Ch- of Chucky Taylor. It's like he should be fucking murdering this dude, but you know, whatever. Um, we'll see what happens with the slave thing. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so he's gonna be a slave. Orange Cassidy, uh, powerless to do anything about it, and um, I, I think this is gonna lead to an Orange Cassidy Miro match, which will be very interesting to say the least. Uh, and I, I'm not necessarily even talking about the quality of wrestling; it's just like the styles, the the approach to the match, what the, what the finish is. You know, lots of you know, lots of questions there. Is he going to risk his freedom for his friend's freedom? I, I don't think that's going. That's going to be, you know, uh, like if, if you want to do it funny, like you got to have like, like if you're Miro, you got to make Chuck Taylor start like costing Orange Cassidy matches and shit <laughs> to fuck with them. <laughs> Go in there and hit your finish on That's him. exactly what we need. What? Screw job finishes or screwy finishes and Orange Cassidy matches. That's exactly what we need. Um, yeah, so, I, we'll see. So I guess we had Matt Hardy and Private Party that were interviewed after um, the they signed with Matt Hardy as their manager. Matt Hardy was going to speak first, but Private Party uh, was still excited about Hardy's you know being their manager until uh, Quinn complained about Hardy taking uh, a larger chunk of their earnings than they thought. So they called uh, Matt a money grabbing carny. Uh, Hardy also said that uh, private part was nothing before him. They, he demanded that they listen to him from now on. So um, yeah, this is uh, pretty funny. Like they. <laughs> so originally it was supposed to be fifteen percent each, and then it like got to like thirty percent, and I think it has jumped to to since fifty percent of, of private party's earnings are going to Matt Hardy. So, uh, yeah, they may as well have signed with Birdman. And that's what, <laughs> like, what the fuck. Like at least Birdman, at least with Birdman, like you know you can stay at the crib. Look, there's there a are, look. You can pick. You can pretty much drive through and take any car off the lot if you want. There are less restrictive death row <laughs> records contracts. This is ridiculous. Like, so I watched uh, the undercard of Dynamite and NXT from uh, the January sixth uh, shows, and like to see them sign them contracts. And you talked about this last week, but to see them sign them contracts with Snoop sitting right the fuck there and just like, yeah, go ahead and sign them. Like, damn, Snoop, you ain't gonna, you ain't gonna look up for these black men. <laughs> you, know, you, know, you know, you know what the fuck's going on with these yeah. kind of contracts. Damn. <laughs> yeah, it, it was wild, man. Just like these. Like obviously, I know what they're doing. They're eventually going to, you know, kick the shit out of uh, Matt Hardy, and Matt Hardy is like now this. 
here's funny, like, Don Callis shows up and then Matt Hardy becomes Don Callis. Amazing. Like, I don't, it, I don't know, I don't know when they're going to interact, if they're, if they're actually, like, on the tut together and we just don't know yet. Like, is he the other invisible hand? Is he the left invisible hand? And Callis nah, is the right I, invisible I hand? See, see I, I don't think Hardy has the, has the sway that Callis does. Like, like, but then again, you know, you, Bruh, you never know. Bro, you you saying he, you don't know if he has a sway. However, he's out here taking, like, a, a, nearly $1,000 out of the Young Bucks wallets, out of, taking money right out of their pockets, yeah. literally. And then he a got week. a group of dudes... Uh, giving half their money away and they haven't beaten the shit out of him. Some tells me he got more sway than you giving him credit for, haven't <laughs> yeah, yeah, imagine, oh. being, imagine being like the level of a private party and you gotta give up half. Come on, man. Like Booking fee. Look, you know. I, I want I am surprised that a chair leg has not been ripped off the chair <laughs> to beat this man with me. Can we bring back Soul Train Jones, like, and ask him oh, about like God. what it's like to like give his earnings away, and you know, essentially, you know, the way they're working for for Matt Hardy. My God, <laughs> you know what? On on, on AEW, like, given that we have the MJF situation with Wardlow, there's Matt Hardy in uh, this private party situation. Yeah, may, maybe Soul Train Jones should show up. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, and also know. we have you know the the young boy or the butler uh uh yeah. Chucky T. There's a there's a lot of there's a lot of Soul Train Jones ass stuff going on on AEW yeah. right now. We did we did we did holler at Tony Khan like be like hey man you know your wrestlers out here signing side deals. Like, <laughs> and, and getting kept broke, like you ain't, are you not paying them enough? Like, what's going on here? <laughs> yes, I, I, I don't know what's going on, bro. But it, 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 you know, this this reeks of bad contracts were in the other company. <laughs> Look, this reeks of this reeks of um, what's it called? This reeks of like territories. This reeks of yeah. territory. There's a lot of territory ass angles right here. He has yeah. sold. He has sold himself away. He. Has, <laughs> <laughs> oh man, what's going on here? <laughs> so, um, so the inner circle had their New Year's resolutions next. Another awesome inner circle segment. Uh, just in the, I feel like it's like three or four weeks in a row. Jericho said, "Who wants to start?" Uh, and they were wanting to talk about their goals for 2021. Hager cuts the best promo of his life. He just says sh- one word: <laughs> championships. That's disrespectful. <laughs> MJF said he wants to strengthen the bonds with everyone else in the group and also get rid of fat people, which may or may not have been a shot at Chris Jericho. Um, and then Ortiz said he wants to get shirt on. Yeah. Uh, Ortiz uh, said he wants to master. So Frito recipe, uh, the the marks are the uh, the workers booed. And MJF uh, was like, you guys are booing food. What's wrong with you? Like uh, super timing. Uh, Jericho said his resolution was winning the AEW tag title with MJF. Santana was pissed because he was like, what, what the fuck is this? Uh, me and Ortiz, we're the inner circle's de- uh, designated tag team. Uh, Guevara said that he knows what's going on here. He, he sees what's happening. Like, that's his gimmick now, it seems like. Uh, and uh, Jericho is a tag team slut. 
and he brings up Lacesgas, and uh, we know he teamed with Hager in the past, and now he wants to team with MJF. Uh, then MJF stood up for Jericho as the rest of the group, you know, kind of just calmed each other down. Jericho said that any of us could win the tag team, uh, could team with each other and win the championship. So next week, um, there's going to be a three-way dance uh, to determine the official tag team of the inner circle. to be MJF and Jericho, Santana and Ortiz, and Sammy Hager. And then, like, the cool thing about that was Sammy Guevara, like, totally no-sold the joke. And I originally no-sold it, too. I was like, what the fuck is Sammy Hager? And then, like, I thought about it for a second. I'm like, oh, this, they're fucking great. And, <laughs> I, just, I, and saw it, I saw it, and I was like, oh, that's funny. He's getting, he's like, oh, I'm not going to play myself by dating myself by, like, explaining the joke. Yeah, I, I right. agree with you, too. And then um, I thought the cool thing about this was... This is a far cry from the inner circle that never does their finishes on each other. Right. right. What, the, what the inner circle used to be. This yeah. is like now they're fighting and uh, yeah. they did call it exhibition, but I get your point. Yeah. 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 Like so, we'll clearly see where this is heading. That's where it's heading. It's escalating yeah. to that. Yeah. Look, and the day they all walk the dog with Jericho, bitch, I'm going. <laughs> It is coming. Something is coming. I don't know what what is gonna be or when it's gonna happen. Speaking speaking of that, remember when um what was it? I th- when he was co- trying to convince Moxley to join the inner circle, didn't he say that he was going to give him forty nine percent of the inner circle LLC? Yes. Jericho scamming them too. <laughs> <laughs> What is going on on these scams at AEW? We're we're discovering this live on air. There is... Around every fucking corner, there is a scam going on. Someone is getting robbed on AEW television. (laughs) (sighs) Like, I didn't didn't realize it until just now. I was like, bro, they've been scamming each other on TV for like... (laughs) For, for like a year. <laughs> Lots of scabbing, working, Tony, carnyism. Hey man, Tony Khan, you know, you know, I always talk to you about this when it comes to actors. To where if there's an actor that plays a role of a, of a of a villain or a evil person multiple times, where like that mo- they mostly almost get typecast as that, then mm-hmm. it's like. You have to question that person in real life whether or not that person's a fuck nigga or not. And, yeah. uh, like, Tony Khan, he's pitching all of these scam ideas. It's like, hey, bro, what, what is there a racket going on that I'm unaware of? <laughs> um, Keep, they say Tony's the nicest person in the world. That's how you get got. Yep. Y'all, y'all watch y'all background, Tony Khan. Tony, Tony Khan is out here putting all, all his ideas on television, and this art tour keeps coming look, up with scammer, and, and, and he keeps telling y'all what it is. He's showing y'all the the, the way, the blueprint, <laughs> like 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 them senators were leading around uh, the insurrectionists, like showing them the way. <laughs> oh my god! Tony is trying to show y'all we we are about this scam life. Y'all be careful. Any y'all ever get around Tony Khan? Be careful. Never let your guard down. You know, even if he's nice to you, which he probably will be. That's how he gets you. <laughs> so up next, the Dark Order, a cult, um, was 
order. Oh, they shit. were they were interviewed about what's next. Uh, Evil Uno said they're going to perform in Brody Lee's name, but they have to be better people. It starts next week when Hangman Page is going to team with the Dark Order again, and Silver was excited, and Reynolds basically was like, hey, man, cut the bullshit. We want to know for sure, Page, if you're going to join the Dark Order, and Page said he would make a decision next week. Do you think he's joining the Dark Order? Um, I think in order for it to continue on, it's going to need a front man, and I see no better person for that role right now than him. Um, you could obviously, you know, over time keep it afloat, and then eventually move someone else off to it. But if you're going to have to pick somebody now, the person obviously would be Hangman. Um, quite frankly. He needs some friends with his depressed, mopey, emotional ass. Um, so, you know, he's around. You know, he wanted to get away from the Young Bucks. The Young Bucks wouldn't treat him as well as they treated Kenny Omega. And the Dark Order love his stinking draws. It sounds yeah. like it, it sounds like this should work. Um, if not, then I have to just worry. And then I might have, it might be a Kyrie situation where there really is no situation that he's ever going to be happy in. And this is a him thing and not a any anyone else think and that's no necessarily that's necessarily no shade to hangman that's just who he is he's not necessarily a bad person he's just weird <laughs> just like just like i described Kyrie. this ain't necessarily james he's not necessarily says, a bad guy he just, hangman page is Kyrie irving clip that that's what james boy says hangman page is Kyrie irving clip that I, I, all i'm saying is i see some parallels um so we'll see <clears> so where this they- goes uh, I would like to see him in Dark Order for uh, just for the the thing of like show progression when we go a year from now when he's not with them or whatever else or yeah. eighteen months when he's not there you can see like look at the growth this man has had after leave Inner Circle look the path that he's led to come back to, to get to obviously Kenny so yeah. um that would be nice uh so <clears throat> for, in my opinion I think that that's a nice little look and that's also a really good like um. I want to say side quest, but like we have somebody that is a man event level guy, like he has been last year, and he's not in the title picture. You have to, you know, send someone off on a journey somewhere so they can get back. And I think that him going with Dark Order will be a nice journey. Yeah. <clears throat> um. So up next, uh, Hank, Kenny Omega, Don Callis, and the Bucks were backstage. And uh, Don Callis swindled the Young Bucks out of making an entrance with them. He said, you guys are Young Bucks. We, you guys have a great theme song. I love it. And, you know, you guys big stars, big draws. Why don't you guys do your own separate entrance? So Kenny does his own solo entrance. And then Callis uh, took some mic and said the band's back together. And James, believe it or not, Kenny Omega and Don Callis got heat with me uh for for this 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 stunt that was pulled right here i knew i felt like it was coming but you know you just never know when when did you know that it was not going to be the young bus it was in fact going to be gallows anderson when do you know when when he grabbed the mic yeah once callus grabbed the mic and he kept prolonging how this it's been such a long time i was like oh it's not gonna be the young bus otherwise they would all came out together it's going to be Gallows Anderson. Great. Yep. And sure enough, yeah. Gallows That's Anderson with no music. Work. That helps. Yeah. That helps. Art. Um, yeah, this actually got some heat with me. I, I was not happy 
to, to you know, with Don Callis and Kenny Omega. I, I write it down. A first. <laughs> I, I didn't have heat with them. I had heat with Tony Khan. It's like, bro, I don't want to see fucking Gallows and Anderson on AEW television. I want to see. I want to see the Young Bucks, Kenny Omega, or the Young Bucks with a, quite frankly, a better tag team. So, like, so for me, it was like. I'm not blame, I'm not mad at Kenny Omega's character for doing such thing. It's like, yeah, like I get what you're going for. That don't that doesn't work for me in that way. I just think it is like, oh, you're giving me this match, and it was like, oh wow. And then Washington's like, we'll get to the match actually. My bad. You can go through review the match. Yeah. So it was um, Kenny Omega and the Good Brothers. They came out with the Impact belts on, and they face off against Varsity Blondes and Danny Limelight, who they clearly won despite spotlight. Yep. Danny Limelight great in this match and of course we got the discourse you know that return james the the omega versus angels the rematch uh, discourse but it was more roundly laughed off this time than taken seriously from you know because there were people that were putting that out there i'm like quite like watch a rick flair match please like (laughs) and and also quite frankly like danny lima is better than angel so there's also that too yeah like yeah, like, so uh, Varsity like, Blondes, they were the I, first guys that tried to jump in. Not going oh, my fault. Go ahead. Nope, go ahead. I was, was going to say uh, Varsity Blondes were the first guys that tried to jump them last week, so it makes sense they got the match here, and this was just, you know, just, just a, a beatdown of three young guys after, you know, they hung in for a while. And, um, you know, Kenny ended up uh, – or, excuse me, uh, Kenny gave uh, a bunch of V-triggers in the match – and the Good Brothers uh, went for gun stun. Uh, Anderson gave him the spine buster, and they hit the magic color for three. And this was kind of a way to build up their pay per view match. Has I, Danny... I don't? I didn't think you liked this match, right? Um, <laughs> it's, it's not that I didn't. I didn't hate it or anything. I just thought like of all the Kenny Omega matches I remember ever seeing, like this is the worst one I ever seen. Um, and it wasn't his fault at all. <laughs> so. <laughs> Like Danny Limelight was the second best wrestler in the in the thing, or maybe the best wrestler that night in the thing. It wasn't his fault. Um, it's yeah, just like I, I think they're trying to. I think he's gonna sign with AEW. So yeah, yeah, he's um so he's really good. Also, um, so, something that uh that Swerve actually pointed out to me: uh, all the Puerto Ricans shoot at the screen, <laughs> and Limelight does as well. It's oh, fucking oh. hilarious. Think about okay. it. Santana, he... or Santana, right? Diamante, right? Evilise, right? Uh, so this ain't him. even just a, so this ain't even just a New York Puerto Rican thing. This is just poor, this is all all of the Puerto Rican diaspora. Okay, yes. all right, fair it's enough. Shooting at the screen, just hilarious. Diamante's from Miami, right? Yes. Yeah, and I she think. got bullet holes on her shit too. <laughs> yeah, letting you know. Um, you know, there, there was a scam that was going to take place, but you know, <laughs> guess not. So, uh, that was ran the scam, you know, by bringing the good brothers out here. Yeah, yeah. Um, so and, is Danny Limelight? How often is he on dark? He's been on dark regularly for about the past two months. Does I'd he say. ever get wins? He just started getting wins. Mm, okay. Okay. So um, after that, we got an awesome fucking brawl. Um, probably like, you know, one of my favorite things about AW. Like this whole segment, like with the six man and then the brawl that came after, 
I was very fired up. Loved like the whole presentation of it. John Moxley's music played. He ran in, but he was outnumbered. It whooped that ass because you know he he seems to think he can fight all three of these these dudes for whatever reason. Then the Lucha Brothers uh, ran out even the odds, and um, after that, the more AW Dark folks tried to uh, break it up. But Moxley hit a uh, tope on a pile, and the Young Bucks came out to try to calm Moxley down. And then, like, I was saying this, and I was like, man, it's so rare that we've seen, like, Moxley interact with, like, the Young Bucks. Like, it was like, man, mm-hmm. big stars are in the ring, like, you know, facing off together. And then um, the Lucha Bros were, were there with them, and, you know, it, it's old country beef with the Bucks. It's on site anytime with the Bucks and Lucha Brothers. <laughs> hit them with the super kicks. And then uh, Callus and Omega slinked away, and yep. you know Omega wanted to come, you know, kind of help, but Callus was like, "Nah, man, come, come on back." Yeah. So uh, Wild Brawl, awesome. Like there, it looks like they set up a couple things. Probably Moxley and Kenny are going to do another match. Maybe Bucks and Lucha Brothers. Remember, they are one to one in AEW, so you can pick that right the fuck back up. Yeah. Um, I was also um, thinking like it may it may be a trios match. Um. With hang with uh you know eventually you'll get a f- full you know clarity on the young bucks and Kenny thing you know eventually and I think it might end up being a trios match where it's like the young bucks and um Ambrose not Ambrose but Moxley versus like uh the band and um and Kenny um I. Where do you think they're going to do the Young Bucks versus the Good Brothers match? In AEW or in Impact? I think they're going to do an AEW. Okay. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I would not advise the Bucks lose this match. <laughs> I, I would not do that. Um, I mean, well, okay. If the, if the AEW World Tag Belts aren't on the line... Lose as much as you want, <laughs> right? I don't give a shit. But if they are on the line, I do not want Gallo Anderson to be the fucking tag champs. Like there are a million other things you can do with those belts than that. That's my opinion. Yeah. But like, you know, if if you like the imagine having the audacity to have a angle with three tag teams. One is the Young Bucks, one is the Lucha Bros, the other is Gallows and Anderson, and the team you're going to belt up is Gallows and Anderson. <laughs> Are you out of your fucking mind? Um, yeah, yeah, that, that would be... Um, yeah. Maybe in yeah, WWE, nowhere else. Does that make sense? <laughs> yeah, WWE is known to put a multi-man match together and then pick the worst person to win. I'm talking to you, uh, WrestleMania 18 or 34, when Jinder Mahal wins, wins the U.S. title. Uh, Randy Orton's in the match, Bobby Roode, Rusev. Who do we pick? Fucking Jinder Mahal. Goddamn idiots. Um, so up next, we got a uh, debut of The Waiting Room with Dr. Britt Baker. This is pretty funny. Um, I think there have been better waiting rooms, but uh, I'm a fan of the segment overall. So uh, she introduced Cody. Uh, it was awesome because they did the pyro, the contractually obligated pyro, and they had the little sticks uh, so Cody could walk in. Yeah. Uh, I believe, yeah, the sparklers. Uh, Say goodbye. 
to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Rebel was laughing along obnoxiously and, you know, doing all the jokes and uh, Britt was just cutting everybody down because Britt's awesome. Um, so, Cody, uh, this man shows up. What is he wearing, James? I mean, I asked y'all because I just watched it like two hours ago or an hour ago. I was like, yo, did he win the Masters? What the fuck is he wearing? He's wearing a green blazer. I think Dan said the same thing. Oh, he did? See, I, we can go and say yeah. jokes like, bro, what are you doing with a green blazer on? There's only one place to wear that green blazer, and that's Augusta, Georgia. After you have just came off the 18th hole on a Sunday, what are you doing? So, um, Britt congratulated Cody on his Brandy's pregnancy, and Cody's about to talk, and then Britt was like, hold on, this is a double swerve. Um... <laughs> And Jay Cargo came out, and my God, um, this is a uh, this is a put together young lady. Uh, so <laughs> Jade grabbed the mic and said, "Nobody cares about Brandy's pregnancy. She demanded an opponent and said, if Brandy ever returns, she's gonna beat her ass." Then um, she sh- uh, pushed Cody, like shoved his face or whatever. Um, Red Velvet came in, and then her and Jade gave each other some All Japan slaps to the face. Uh, I thought these were very good slaps. You know, sometimes you see slaps and they ain't quite hidden, but uh, they I, they made they had an agreement uh, apparently. So um, then all of a sudden it was a pull apart. Uh, all the women assembled, and then it awkwardly cut to a video uh, with with. Uh, Thunder Rosa and Britt Baker. And there were a lot of like awkward cuts because this was one of the tape shows, and it seems like they're trying to pack so much in and steal every second where you get like weird shit like this. So it showed Britt Baker's attack um, from a couple of weeks ago, and then a video promo from Thunder Rosa was very good actually. And she said um, that uh, her and uh, Thunder Rosa are Britt and Thunder Rosa going to wrestle each other at Beach Break on February third. Britt was pissed and said it's not happening. She thought she told um, Tony that, uh, you know, this wasn't happening. I think they were trying to do a lot here, but, um, you know, I like the waiting room. They got, I think they got to, you know, make, they got to like make sure something, uh, quote unquote, bigger uh, has to happen here. But, you know, they've been building up this Jay Cargo thing. I think Dangling Cody out there kind of gave a, uh, a false sense of something that was going to happen because I thought it was going to be Cody's next angle kind of jumping off here, mm-hmm. and it wasn't. It was, uh, you know, the Jade thing. But what'd you well, think of this one, Jim? It, it. I don't know if it, <clears throat> I wouldn't necessarily use the word progress, but it kept the Shaq thing afloat. Um, and then it went to the uh, Red Velvet thing, which I got to say, um, Red Velvet and Jay Cargill. On in the same camera shot like that, it's a great camera shot. Um, but we can move <laughs> on from there, and <laughs> we can move on from there. And um, <clears throat> you know, they they did the. It almost felt like Britt missed missed whatever cue she was supposed to say to get whatever on the board popped up on the board. But 
whatever. Um, Thunder Rose versus Brit. We were expecting it. Um, should be pretty good. Um, but yeah, like you know, I, I like the the Thunder or Thunder Rose apart. I like the the ex- the confrontation between Red Velvet and or Jay Cargo when she runs up on. Cody slaps shit out of him, or or, or actually the cut him down to size, and then like the ex- physical exchange or interaction with um Red Velvet like in the pull apart like I like that as far as the presentation of um Brit's talk show um I mean it's got some it's got a lot of it's got some bugs to work out maybe less is more obviously because it, it did three different things in one segment um, yeah <laughs> but, you know uh. But like, and you know, even even this is better than the best uh, moment of bliss. So whatever. <laughs> Man, I remember that like, show. They, moment of bliss. They were like, they were. I'm pro- I may be giving them too much credit, but it felt like they were trying to make those bad every single time they did them, and they were very successful. That was a, <laughs> like they were automatic, like Steph at the free so, throw line. <laughs> Shits were off. Yeah. Uh, so we had FTR against uh, Jurassic Express, Jungle Boy, and Marco Stunt, and I liked this match. Uh, it was like, in an understated way, it was like just solid. You know, FTR kicking shit out of them, and uh, Jungle Boy, you know, getting comebacks, and Marco, you know, doing you know some of his Marco stuff uh, that he would you know use the speed to try to recover, but FTR didn't do anything you know too crazy with him. And I was looking at this, you know, Jungle Boy's got his new music. Um. I want to see Jungle Boy get rolling more, but uh, I, I like this match more than I like most FTR matches. <laughs> yeah, um, it was grown ass adults fighting scrawny, barely not teenagers. Well, like, how old are how old are Marco and and Jungle Boy? Like what? Twenty one, like twenty two. Yeah, I yeah. think Marco's like 22, Jungle Boy's like 24, so... Yeah, and they're like, and they're built like they don't have... And we, we were just funny, because we were talking about Tyler Hero um, on a chat the other day, it's like, you know, the thing that's so cool about him is like, he's, you know, averaging 17 a game right now, and he still doesn't, he still doesn't have an NBA body yet, like, he still has a college body, like, them two boys got their college bodies. Are they ever going to get anything but a college body? That may be seen, but them boys have college bodies, and you got these grown ass men abusing, <laughs> abusing these two little twerps. It was fun. It was fun. It was a real fun match, and Marco, you know, got all the flips and all the dives off. It was. It was really fun. It was really fun. Yeah. <clears throat> um. Up next, we got Serena Deeb and Ty Conti for the NWA Women's Title, and the NWA Women's Title does it again. Uh, very good match here with with Serena Deeb and and Ty Conti, and uh, the last couple AEW matches for for Tay Conti is like, man, it seems like she's just going uh, getting better every time. Serena's like extra solid every time, and um, you know a lot of cool. Uh, they did some chain wrestling. They did some submission work. Uh, they did some cool reversals, and uh, overall, every time Serena Deeb's on Dynamite, I like it. Yeah, um, solid match. Um, I don't know what I was expecting. Um, probably more striking from from Ty Conti. Uh, it, it's weird that like she is a judoka, but like Serena, just at, a lot of time when it came hole for hole was out just out wrestling flat out, and I mean obviously that's. That's the point is the veteran experience of knowing things that, that she doesn't know, but it's like, 
I also know that she's a black belt in, in judo. So it's like <laughs> there's only so much there's only there's only so much like I'm going to uh strain my credulity on. And um but it was I mean it was it was a solid match still. Yep. Um care to comment on Abaddon and um Sheeta from Oh, oh my god, that <laughs> fucking sucked. Um Jesus Christ. Like it was, it was played it was played as a horror movie. Like it was just like the Bray Wyatt Kane stuff against um the Bray Wyatt stuff, the Fiend stuff, and also like the Kane stuff against Daniel Bryan in 2014 after WrestleMania 30 is like, yo, there's no way you can do this well. We all know this is fucking fake. You make your baby yep. face like a fucking moron. Yep. Like maybe there is a way to do it. Maybe it's maybe it's cinematic wrestling. Um and but the it just looks hokey. Like no one can buy it like she's a zombie and no one can buy that like she bit her two weeks ago or whatever else. She takes off this thing, it's clearly makeup, but it's supposed to be a wound from where she got bit. She gets dragged underneath the ring. She bites her again. She's bleeding. And then, like, a ref doesn't stop the match or Abaddon doesn't win. She overcomes her after she got bit the fuck up. Like, it's... Nah. Yeah. And then the match starts yeah. where, like, she whops her over the head with a kendo stick before the, uh, before they ever get in the ring. Because they started out on the ramp. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, I've seen worse wrestling matches... I don't think I've seen many lamer. I felt the same way. Like I, I felt the same way. I was like, yo, I thought what they were doing was straight physically, right? In the wrestling part, but like the part that took me out of it is when she yanked her under the ring. And then when I saw that, I was like, Why? Like <laughs> I, I mean, I think the I think the wrestling was pretty crummy too, but like I think I just think the the whole what they were going for was so lame that it's like yo that even if it even if it was they, the wrestling was fine, I still would have been put off by this. Um, you know, they're tr- yeah. it was obviously it was a lame challenger. Um, we knew she, she was going to win, so like from that regard, whatever. Like they got out of there, but like you know, this makes you want to have them wrap up this Sheeta thing and find someone else. Um, like I really wish like. I don't know. Like, when's the, what's the last good Britt Baker match? Is it still the, the is it still the Sheeta match in Georgia? Has she had a good match since? <laughs> um, you know, she got injured for so long. I like, we haven't really, you know, yeah. like she hasn't really wrestled. Yeah, like really wrestled. I like, had a competitive match. Like she squashed people, more or less. You know. Right. Um. Um. So next week we've got. Uh, Chris Jericho, MJF, and uh, Proud and Powerful, Sammy and Hager, uh, three-way, Matt Hardy and Private Party against Matt Sido on top flight. That should be probably pretty great with the flyers in there around Matt Hardy. Um, the negative one birthday celebration match, Dark Order. Uh, so it's going to be Silver, Reynolds, Colt Cabana, and Hangman against the Hybrid 2 and Chaos Project. So we get some Luther in our lives. Um we are getting Penelope Ford and Layla Hirsch as Nyla Rose was around someone uh, that was exposed to COVID. So COVID jail strikes again. So Penelope's back in action for the first time in a long time. 
we got Moxley in action, and then uh, Chuck Taylor and Miro will give us an update on the slavery. So, <laughs> update on the slavery. God damn it! Oh, uh, but our main event, uh, TNT Championship, Darby Allen uh, defends against Brian Cage, and this ruled. Um, big guy, small guy, it was everything we thought it was going to be. Brian Cage, like threw this man out of the fucking ring through the table. <laughs> it was fucking amazing. He effectively, obviously the AEW setup's different, but he gorilla press slammed him from out, from inside the ring, over the top ropes, onto the announce table, um, or I'm sorry, the scorekeeper's table uh, on the side, like next to the, you know, in that little slot over to the right side on... Um, when you're in daily place for AEW setup, it was impressive as hell. Like this, basically, like a, you know, the distance of what's eight feet. Like it was, it was impressive mm-hmm. as all hell. And the way, yeah. the, and the way the table just like just disintegrated underneath Darby made it even more impressive. Yeah, um, Darby got got juiced in this match, and the juice felt warranted. Like it actually was like we haven't seen the juice. I felt like in a while, and it was like, oh, okay, cool. Um, you know, it, it hit the right way rather than doing it like <laughs> all the time. <laughs> um, lots of slaps, lots of cage power moves, release German suplexes, throwing Darby in the corner, fucking him up. Uh, cage breaking out the whole move set. Uh, Darby trying to survive pretty much. Um, uh, you know, kicking out at one. Um, and this just kept pissing Cage off that Darby wouldn't stay down. Uh, you know, and it, we got towards the end. And uh, after, you know, Cage took this fucking sick bump on the ring steps like he was getting his uh, Damian Priest on. But, like, he took this one, like, it was like he took it square. Like, he didn't, like, hit it and roll off. He just hit it and lay it there. And yeah. then uh, he caught, like, the coffin drop after that. And, you know, they got in at the count of nine. And they they exchanged a lot of near falls, uh, you know, more moves. Ricky Starks tried to get involved, but the lights went out. Sting came out with a bat, uh, hit Ricky Starks in the throat with the bat. And then Cage went for an av- avalanche F5, but Darby countered, countered it into the crucifix bomb and was able to roll over and get the pin to retain the title. Uh, I think I gave this four stars. Um, this was a... Yeah. Uh, I, I popped when this match was going on. I wanted to see this match for a long time. <laughs> yeah, this uh, this match alone made like made the show like wow. Okay, it, I gave it four stars as well. Um, really enjoyed the match. Um, Dar- you know, Darby was just a, an excellent rag doll for Cage. Cage, you know, um, given the size difference, given his gifts, um, athletically, strength wise, and power wise, it was just. That was a, that was the correct story and the right path to go down. Um, I hope they're not done wrestling each other, um, not too often because like Darby Darby Darby's body needs a rest. <laughs> but um, yeah, uh, really fun match, and you know um, that's why I always say it's like that size different shit when it comes to matches. Like it's it does if you can tell the right story, that shit does not matter. Like you know, like we grew up watching Shawn Michaels Undertaker rustle each other for you know or whatever else and it was some of the best matches of that era like it just comes down to if you can tell the right story you have the right um 
the right small person to be the ag- in, aggressive in the right ways. Like, I mean, even, you know, look at Pac versus um, um, Kingston, Kingston in the opener. It's like, if it it doesn't have to all work the same way. It can be, you know, super aggressive small man, like, eats a, eats a bigger dude up because he's more skilled. Or it could be the underdog babyface just taking a whooping from this monster or this machine, actually, in this case. Like, that's the diversity of storytelling in... You know, people people have their own ways of doing it, and you know, I, I think it worked out well. I don't know what's next for Darby, but um, he's off to a good start as TNT champion. Um, obviously, well, the next is whatever they figure out with Sting. We'll we'll eventually find, yeah. figure out what that is. So Sting got involved here. Um, there seems to be this bizarre uh, obsession, I think, with um, uh, primarily from I would say WWE fans that insist Sting is here ready to main event everything it's like they're trying to will this to happen like they keep like you know insisting that it's like they have this personal investment and it happening to uh make it be like oh it's just like wwe like um (laughs) like i've seen it out there uh so i'm just letting y'all know like you know y'all could y'all could like like we see what i see what you're doing um the weird obsession that that you guys have with like trying to make it seem like it's WWE. Like, I mean, I mean, like do what you do, but like, I don't know. I don't think Sting's bothering anybody right now. I mean, it is like, kinda... do, you, do you see Sting working as a main eventer? Like, no, you know, it, like, like okay, at any point, event, like, you, like, I think he could be in a main events, like main event, like once or twice on like dynamite. But like, as far as like being a main event, like he's, a, he's like at the top of a card of pay-per-view. No, he's not doing that. I don't, I don't like know. a draw, like a money drawing main event or, or a champion or something like this. I don't like, think he's ever gonna it be seems like this, this thing that they're wishing it. and trying to will to happen. <laughs> like, I think he might, I think he has a, a match in place with Cody and a match in place with Darby um, I think both those matches call for him to lose. Um, uh, you know, one of them is a champion right now, so I could I could see why people think that could be a thing. But nah, I, I you know it could be, but I you know I I don't think so. At least right, yeah. I, I see nothing uh-huh. to think that like that's gonna pop off to where he's in a title match. Nah, not right now. No no time soon anyway. Yeah, so I'll keep my eye on it. Yeah. So, but uh, um, what happened on uh on the yellow show? Uh, this show had like in similar to NX or to AEW, like this had like one really good match. Um, it wasn't as good as the uh, Derby match, obviously, but yeah, uh, opener was Candice Array versus um, Shotzi Blackheart. Um, it starts with a lot of submission wrestling from Shotzi, which she's okay at it. Um, I think her struggles is not doing the holds or as much as it is like wrestling in between the holds in the spots that she does, like the like the kicks and strikes and dives and whatever else. Like uh, she like her quote unquote moveset works is just the music between the notes and you know really wrestling in between that is where she struggles. And that's probably why they put her in the ring with Candice um, for the last, you know, few months before she broke her wrist. But, um, yeah, uh, interference from um, Indy Hartwell. Um, 
uh, basically the the end of the match is Shotzi has it once she goes to the top rope Indy hits the apron she knocks her off the apron Candice jumps up or gets up it gets to the top rope and without hitting her with a strike just grabs her and hits her twisting that breaker off the second rope for the win um this <laughs> it's funny that like Candice is a heel now so like Candace is kind of in the slot that Shotzi used to uh, occupy. I'm sorry, uh, that Shotzi is in the is in the is in the slot that Candace used to occupy. So like she's the one that gets like these dumb losses um, that make her like like a, a that make her like a dummy as a babyface or like not where you want to stick behind her. So it's like all right, that's what you get. Um, not that's what you get, but like that's what you have gotten. Um, so. Uh, Let's see. What do we have after that? Oh, um, Gilberg was on Raw tonight. Gilberg? Gilberg. Dwayne Gill. Dwayne Gill. Okay. Um. Wow. Uh, all right. So, Finn Balor comes out. He cuts a promo, uh, gives props to O'Reilly, um, says that he proved that he wasn't just good. He was great. Um... But he, you know, like he said, is you know he's on to the next person and on to the next in line. Out comes Pete Dunne. Um, Pete Dunne won the number one contendership match uh, like three or four weeks ago to O'Reilly. Um, but there was a promo on him, you know, obviously saying I want a piece. So he's like, here's like, you told me a few weeks ago or a month ago, you know, get in line. I'm cutting the line. I want, I want, I want some now. Him and. Um, Oni and uh, Birch jump him. Out comes O'Reilly. O'Reilly is selling um, a jaw injury from their match the week before. Um, so they he he you know pulls him off for a little bit. Eventually overwhelm him. Uh, There's some Mahol and both of them three three on two, and then out comes. Cole and Strong and they even the odds and they end up getting them out the ring. Um, so then they're checking on O'Reilly. O'Reilly's grabbing his jaw and Balor is looking like like thanks. It like it's look like thanks, but like honestly, I still don't fuck with y'all. <laughs> um, so uh, then we end up from there. We end up getting a. Um, We end up getting uh, Austin Aries. I'm sorry, Austin Aries. Jesus Christ. A Johnny Gargano interview. Those are two totally different people. Um, <laughs> a Johnny Gargano interview backstage. Uh, um, asked him about his match with Dexter Loomis upcoming on the show. Um, then all of a sudden, Austin Theory. That's why I said Austin. Austin Aries. Austin Theory. Austin Aries shows up and says, "You got a pack. You got a. You got a, a envelope. You got some mail from from that guy." John's like, "That guy? What do you mean that guy? That guy?" You know, he opens it. It's Loomis's drawings, and he's like, "It says Loomis." He says, "Look, he goes like this. it says Loomis on the envelope. You don't see it. You can't tell who it is. It says Loomis envelope." And that's when I was like, "Oh my god!" Like I know they've been making like Austin Theory a fucking idiot for like the last month or whatever, or month and a half. But like, damn, he can't read. <laughs> that man is a that man is illiterate. Man's on the R. Kelly. <laughs> 
You know, that man composed from memory. You know. Oh, this shit. So, Johnny opens up the brown envelope. The, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the brown envelope. <laughs> and, and from there, uh, he opens it up and he sees a, uh, a caricature of him um, in a in a in a outfit crying because people are saying Johnny Gargano's a crybaby because obviously he's a heel. So then um, Austin Theory starts laughing at him, and then Johnny's like, "What are you laughing at?" And then he shows him the next picture. The next picture is a picture of Austin Theory grabbing his balls after uh, Shotzi shot that uh, Nerf thing or that missile off of her tank into his balls last week. Um, I gotta say, for nut shots in WWE, last week when Sh- Shotzi was in the tank and Austin Theory's dumbass walked up the ramp, up tried to walk up on a tank, and she shot that that thing into his balls, and he and he went down, or he was fighting like hell to not go down, while Johnny Gargano and Candice are on the mic yelling, no, 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 it's, it's an all-time nut shot in WWE history, it it, it absolutely is, I howled, but that's the point, um, so once they, they show each other their, their picture of the characters, they, uh, they, um, they're now mad at Loomis, both of them, so, I'm mad at Loomis, I'm, I'm mad at Loomis every time I ever see him, um, so then we end up getting the uh, the first match of the Dusty Cup. It is the Grizzled Young Veterans versus Everize, and I gotta say, I'm sick and fucking tired of seeing Everize on television. Like, <laughs> is this a Dusty tournament? Yeah, yeah, it's the first round, and it's and the thing is, like, it's a 16 team tournament this year. It's supposed to eight. It ain't like, never been that big. It's always been eight. And I sixteen, yeah. but you know what Bro, they're, they're doing? doing matches on they're doing matches on two hundred five live like exactly. Killian Dane was competing on two hundred five live exactly. like like what like, exactly real five live bitch like exactly. <laughs> and the thing uh, the thing is, all of these tag teams are a lot of these tag teams are tag teams that like you know um, or like Cole and Roddy, where it's like yeah they've tagged together, but they kind of you got to get reacquainted with them as a tag team. Gargano in theory, yes, they tag team once or twice before, but you kind of get they're trying to get them established as a tag team for this. Um, haven't seen Imperium in a minute. Um, they're debuting um, the Rascals from T uh, from I'm gonna say TNA from Impact as MSK. I don't know what MSK stands for, but that's the Rascals. Um, they you know they put uh, Swerve and Atlas together as a you know once friends, but now feuding each other thing that is like, okay, I see what's going to happen. They're fed, they're fighting MSK. They're going to beat, the wrestlers are going to beat them, and then they'll be right back at each other's throats, which, like, literally minutes after they lost, they were right back at each other's throats. It was like, what a shock. Uh, also, mm-hmm. um, we need to have, this, when we get, we'll get to it when we get to the match, but we're going to have a discussion about Swerve and his, uh, and his choice of uh, wardrobe uh, it lasts, like, month or three weeks. Um, I, have you seen it? Uh, I've seen pictures. Okay. All right. We'll, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. But yeah. Um, Grizzly on Vest, Everize. They're stomping the dog shit out of uh, Everize. Everize mouse a comeback. Um, and then they finally went away. It went way longer than it should have. Uh, they they have gotten a lot of TV time either from the Killian Dane in um, 
uh, in Drake Maverick stuff or the triple threat stuff between Grizzly Young Vets coming back into NXT Domestic in Imperium. Like, it's wild that they've had that much TV time for a, a flat-out jobber team that are that, that are under no, like, disguise or illusion that they're anything but a jobber team. You know they're a jobber team. It's wild. Like, I don't hey. remember James... Like, not since James Ellsworth has a, has a jobber, a flat-out jobber at gotten this much TV time on a WWE product. It's wild. Sometimes your best ability is availability. <laughs> so you want to get on oh, perfect attendance, ass motherfuckers. <laughs> okay, sure. You know, uh, they there. Somebody got to, gotta, you know. There's a job losses. to be done. <laughs> yeah, this is a job. <laughs> yeah, okay. So, uh, then you get uh, Gargano versus uh, Loomis. <sighs> Gargano is trying. I'm not saying he's trying his best, but he's trying um, to have a match with this guy. And to Loomis's credit, he sells more than he normally does. Um, and there are funny and there are things that are like I don't know if they're intentionally funny, but they're fucking hilarious to me. Like, um, have you seen him? Remember the old Dean Ambrose get laid out on your stomach and then you spring up? No. Okay. Well. Imagine like the version of sitting up like the Undertaker except on your stomach. Like you know how he does the crawl thing. <laughs> the you, know how, you know how Loomis does the crawl thing. Yes. On his hands. Imagine basically like yes. he's out on his stomach and then you walk up on him and it's almost like a, like you walk up on a snake and the snake moves and yeah. he shits up on his arms. It's like that and he stares at you with the eyes. He did yeah. that at the end of this match with with Gargano and. He set up and Gargano did the bug out, bugged out, shook eyes, and then they changed the camera angle. And once they changed that camera angle in that split second, next thing you see is a is a boot and a and you hear the clap of him slapping his thigh from super kick. He super kicked the shot that man a second later. He was like he was like, oh! I fucking howled. I was, I was just like, it was just like oh was like, oh what you doing here? Get out of here! Get, get the fuck out of here! Get out of my face! So anyway. Uh, Austin Theory helped him cheat a few different times. Um, Johnny ended up getting uh, a pinfall victory over him. I think it was a cradle. Um, so after the match, Johnny celebrating on one side of the ring. On the other side of the ring, Austin Theory is outside licking his wounds from getting his ass handed to him the few times he interfered from Loomis. Loomis comes out and or slaps him in a choke. Johnny stomps him out. Out comes Kushida. Um, Kashida has been um, circling Gargano the last month or so, so he's he's next in line for the North American title uh, shot. And Loomis uh, was over on his side messing up Austin Theory, so they basically passed out. All of us like, look, you go with Theory. Now Gargano, Kashida, we're we're about to do this for James. It's been a long it's been a long journey. <laughs> Gargano Kushida for James. So I appreciate that Triple H. I'm glad you you're looking at you're looking out for me after what the fuck this has been uh all year uh, or last like year or so for NXT. So I appreciate that. Um So then uh we end up getting a face-to-face interview um at a table between Champa 
and Thatcher with uh, Wade Barrett moderating, interviewing, and I got something on this. So did you see? So you did see parts of this, or no? No. Okay. Champa did uh, not I, I, have the fresh bald, uh, freshly saved head. Like this is the first time I ever seen balding Tommaso Champa as opposed to bald Tommaso Champa, and it was like, wow, wow, wow. So, <laughs> um, anyway, it it was he explained they explained it as such. Last week, if you're supposed to be in the fight pit, uh, but you were not cleared. Can you talk about your injury? Thatcher says, I was injured, or I, w- I wasn't cleared last week, but I'm clear now. Uh, Champa smirks and smiles and says, so, like, what was your injury? And then, obviously, Thatcher smiles. He's like, no worry, no worries, we're all good. He's like, I'm not going to tell you. You're not going to rip my arm, whatever's wrong with me, limb from limb. Um, and then they get into it. Um, Thatcher says that he's a shell of a man. That that uh, that Chomp is a, a shell of a man is still looking to try to prove himself that he still deserves to be here. Um, Thatcher and Chompa's like, and you know, I'm here looking for a challenge. Um, I beat you in a regular rules match. That's my domain. You had the fight pit. You you know, you're undefeated in the fight pit. I want to see what you're about. Um, and then they start throwing some some personal more personal type barbs at each other uh, I can't remember but like as far as that just from that it was good enough and whatever else and you forget that like Ciampa is one of the better promos we we, we have but because um, they don't really use it in that way because he's not as high priority anymore but yeah uh, that was in and out what were you about to say though if Tommaso Ciampa beats this real shoot man leave the business uh, grappler man in the in the in the fight pit, like um leave the business triple H needs to be fired. Like it'd be like what the fuck like Champa has no business in this match. None. None. He shouldn't have lost he shouldn't like, have lost the regular rules like, match. That, like that's what you're that's what should retire. Like that man uh, put Matt Rule the fuck out of here, but like, you know, so he's supposed to be scared of this dude with this trick neck. Man, if they don't if he, if he don't wrap this nigga up like and choke him out. <laughs> and put him to sleep in the pit, and bust him open. Right. Uh, I'm. I don't know. So, about bust him open. Yeah. But I get you. I get what you're saying. Um. So then yet again, uh, Atlas and Swerve come down, and uh, and then uh, you get MSK revealed to be MSK, the Rascals. They're MSK now. Um. I forgot who's who in the Rascals, but uh, uh, the Wesley's the black one. Huh? Say again? Wesley is the brother. Yeah, well, the brother man is real good. Um, the brother man who's in there with Atlas and he was in there with Swerve looked like he belonged. Looked like he was of that cloth and ilk. Um, it was fun when he was in there. Um, and uh, don't get me wrong. Um, our, uh, the white homie, he was he's good too, but like it felt like there was a chemistry there that wasn't um, with uh, Atlas that wasn't there with um like uh, Wesley had with Atlas and Swerve, but they, they did a bunch of cool stuff. Um, it didn't go that long. It uh, but it was it was really cool. And ultimately, at the end, MSK ended up getting the win. 
an independent swerve. Um, so let's get into it, man. Why, since Swerve is headed towards his path of being a heel, why is Swerve coming out with the old like 1997 Undertaker deal, but in but in silver or platinum or white gold? As I, I can't I can't speak for for his wardrobe choices, but I, I have a feeling that that he uh he wants everybody to believe he's crazy. If y'all have seen like you know some of his social media, the way he's like responded, laughing at ev- at everything, um, is pretty interesting. He's uh, I, I've, I've spoken with Swerve off the record, but about, it's not his, know, but it's not a hysterical laugh like he's crazy. It's a, it's a laugh like I'll kill you. That's a, that's his laugh. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. the kind of laugh he's giving. Like, all right, turn your back at me if you want to. Keep your, you put your, let yeah. your guard out if you want to. I will stab you. Like, <laughs> that's, that's he, kind like of he's going nuts. Like, okay. he's going insane. That is slowly. I, okay. That's why I think this is part of like, like he's gonna be. Y'all want to see a fucking character? Oh, I'll be a character. All right. <laughs> okay. So, um, uh, I, I won't reveal. Um, you know, trade secrets. Some of the future. Yeah, the trade secrets, but um, yeah, um, I saw the jacket. I thought the jacket was hard, personally. I couldn't think of anything else, but this is ninety-seven Undertaker shit. It's up as platinum gold or platinum white gold, uh, silver, and not black. That's I couldn't think. Hey, like it, it looks better than. Look, I, I told I told Swerve this. Um, you know, at his house, I, I was there. I was like, bro, when you wrestled, um. Uh, what's the cruiserweight champion's name? Fantasma. Fantasma. I was like, bro. Fantasma, same difference. Yeah. Yeah, I was like, bro. Like when I saw the entrance, I knew who was winning. Like (laughs) so, like, and I think he was wearing like more plain stuff then. And you put, you know, this this new stuff on him, and it kind of gives him like a look. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Um. So then we get an announcement that next week begins the the women's dusty cup um so i don't even know why they're having that but so check this out it's from what i saw it's a four-team thing all nxt the teams are casey and caden tony storm and mercedes martinez um, Man, that, Andy, that's a lot of ass. Oh, Andy, I mean, go ahead. <laughs> Andy Hartwell and Candice LeRae and Shotzi and Ember. It's cool. Okay. It's a cool thing to do when you know you're already set out towards headed for heading towards um, Io Shirai versus Raquel. Um, Rhea is seemingly going to be gone. Like, I, that's cool for like a two week thing, right? Um, but the idea of putting Casey and Candace in a match with Tony and Mercedes Martinez, like, they're going to fucking destroy them. <laughs> if in the beat. Like, bro, time is a flat circle with, with, with um, Casey Cazar and Ken Carter. This is like, Time is they'll be getting whooped in 2022 by Zia Lee. Oh, those that's gonna happen in 2021. <laughs> like, uh, 
there was another squash on this show too. Um, but we'll, we'll get to that. Uh, so the next week they end up announcing the next week, uh, uh, Dusty men's Dusty cup matches. Uh, so you end up getting, um, uh, Grand, Ma- Grand Metalik in uh, Lince Dorado versus Imperium. So that's uh, obviously Eichner and Bartel. And then um, you get Leon Ruff in Kushida versus Johnny in um, Austin Theory. So uh, out comes Zia Lee. Have you seen the Zia Lee entrance? I haven't seen the entrance. It is on I've par. The look. It is on par with the look the ass whooping that she puts on people and those video montages. It is high production value. They look like stars. Her, uh, her and Boa and whoever is behind the mask sitting on that throne um, that's running all this stuff. Obviously, we think it's all it's going to be Karen Q. Um, but for now, as these two squash matches have happened in back-to-back weeks, it is working. Um... You know, we you know, we talked about this when it comes to Zaya. Like she's a martial artist, she's great at striking. Let her strike and worry about her learning how to wrestle later. Like fit that fit fit it around the other way. Fit work towards strengths and like she's great at just kicking the shit out of people. <laughs> she, she just is. Um Um I also like when she comes down for interest, like entrance two di- two di- two different entrances, two different like um you know, martial arts, how they have, like, set things where you do demonstrations of your skill and your craft through, looks like, choreographed, a choreography type yeah. thing. They call them demos. Yeah, it depends on what discipline it is. They have different names for a bunch of Or them. form, like, they call them. They, like, they I was call in Taekwondo, form. they call them something else. I can't remember. They weren't called forms, but you get my point. It's a demonstration. So, um, on the sixth, on the January sixth show, she had like these two things that looked almost like bolts with uh, sharp edges on the end of them, right? On this episode, she came out with the bow, and I gotta say, you want no problems with Zaya with that bow. She will beat you to death. <laughs> she will beat you to death. So, uh, you know, this match. Uh, was different from the first one, but uh, basically, someone uh, the lady that she was in the ring with charged her. She sidestepped, hit her with a punch that knocked her out while she sidestepped, and then hit her with that big spin kick that looks like a disaster kick. And that was, and that's that's her finish now. Um, so uh, she goes up the up the ramp with Boa, and the camera cuts to the person on the chair. Person on the chair puts her hand up. Or puts puts their hand up like more, right? Mm-hmm. She goes back, pulls that lady out, basically hangs her up against the uh up on the uh middle rope or sorry the bottom rope and just stomach punches her to death. Just just uppercuts and and, and uh, you know open hand slaps to the gut over and over and over. Then goes up to the uh then goes up again after the lady tells her no and then they fade off. It, it was. I like what they're doing. Um, I don't know where it's leading to, but I'm enjoying the ride right now. Um, so, um, then we end up getting the main event, Undisputed Era versus Breezango. Very good match. Um, probably three and a half, three and three quarters. Uh, Breezango 
like when they do get the opportunity to have good matches, they can because Tyler Breeze and Fandango um, is a very good hot tag. And then you're in there with Roddy, and you're in there with with, with um, I'm gonna say Fish, but you're in there with Cole and Roddy. Now they're baby faces, Roddy, which you used to see all the time, but it, it makes more sense now. Now he's a baby face. He has an incredible hot tag. Like just just once he start, once he gets you into the ropes, and he starts hitting the ropes and coming off and hitting you with that that forearm over and over and over. It's yeah. like this makes sense as a great hot tag. Why didn't anyone think of this before? <laughs> Uh, but yeah, they um they, they end up breaking out and doing a hot a bunch of hot shit at the end. It ends up breaking to a four way. Two of them end up outside the ring and, t- and taken care of. Um, Adam Cole sets up for the Panama Sunrise. Um, I think it's Fandango moves out the way. He ends up laying out Cole. The can- uh, so he goes to the top rope to go hit his um his leg drop finish. They zoom in real tight, so I was like, what's going on? As he jumps off, they zoom out, and Cole is up, and he super kicks Messi after he jumps down. I'm just like, I imagine you're imagine you're in front of a you know more than the 50, 50 not fifty twenty five people that are there now. Imagine you're in front of the old four hundred people the NXT. You're not gonna pop for that. You'd be like, you're a fucking moron. What are you doing jumping off when you see that dude's up on his feet? <sighs> Like it, so, I, like obviously from the camera angle, you, I didn't notice. But like the second they zoom out and you see him kicking, was like, what other inclusion do you have? Then that's exactly what happened. Like he got up, he jumped off anyway after he had already got up. It was a flying nothing, whatever. Pins <laughs> him, uh, and then they they fade to black. Yeah, man. NXT. So, um. We've got uh, some questions here to close down the show. We don't have that many, but um, got a couple questions for me. Oh, oh I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Hold on. Wait, wait, wait. I forgot about this. So um, after uh, or in the middle of the match, um, O'Reilly was down at ringside just in case um, McAfee Goon came back. I guess they're now done Goon because Mac- who knows the fuck McAfee comes back. But um in the middle of the match, they attacked uh, O'Reilly, uh, and as they attacked O'Reilly, Balor, um, I'm sorry, they actually were about to like hurt his jaw really bad by kicking him in the jaw, like doing a running knee or whatever else. And then Balor came came in and trying to ward them off. And then the numbers of Angel on the outside got in the way. And then Dunn was able, like he basically Balor ended up fighting Florkin and Birch, so that left Dunn. To be alone with O'Reilly, so Dunn got up and he basically did a running knee into his side of his head into the uh, barricade, which like fucked up his bad jar even worse. So they had to care for him, but like Cole and um, Roddy were just got were about to go tend to him, but then they got pulled back into the match because Breezango kept fighting them, so they couldn't get free to help him. So after the match, they went to go care for O'Reilly. That then that's the end of the show, actually. Gotcha. Yeah. So, um, question from Maserati says, will Charlotte fuck Lacey's dad for revenge? I know I've overused, um, the Josh meme a lot lately. Who fucking cares? (laughs) I don't don't know who, uh, I don't know who Lacey Evans' uh, dad is. I don't know if, I, I don't know. I don't know who her kayfabe dad is either. Who cares? 
Like, I get it. Apparently, she showed up to Monday Night Raw tonight wearing a Ric Flair robe uh, to stun on Charlotte. So it's like, yeah. What um, what former what football player or collector did, she, did the WWE buy that off of, or rent that <laughs> off of? It was a blue one, too. <laughs> so, um, I, I think the only uh, fucking Charlotte doing is doing is she she kind of shows y'all. So I don't think she's uh, gonna be fucking Lacey's dad. Uh, Jeremy has a question. He says, "What bold wrestling predictions do you have for 2021?" Bold wrestling predictions for 2021. Hmm. Man. Huh. Ah. Uh. So, I've got one. Um. So I'm gonna kind of. It's like a kind of a half prediction. So somebody that is an untouchable or seemingly like an untouchable will show up on AEW Dynamite this year. Like a John Cena. Like... Um, if you're talking about that level, so you're talking about like an Undertaker? <laughs> well, you can't do... Nah, Undertaker signed for He's on a contract to like... Yeah, to, we'll be dead by the time he's out of contract. Um, yeah. Uh, um, oh, a John Cena level untouchable. Okay. I mean, that's a as a, as a bold prediction. Yeah, sure. Um, I don't know. I I really don't know. Um, I'm not really good with bold predictions. In my mind, you know, like I'm a person that thinks itself pretty, um, like close to the vest. So I'm like, I don't really go out there with or think of out there things or waste my time or not necessarily waste my time. But like, I don't, I don't really do that. Like, I feel like that. That's, that's more stressful for me to think of that kind of stuff than actually uh, uh, coming up with one. Got another one. You just pull him off. The Chris goal, Jericho huh? will have his last. Chris Jericho will have his last match this year. Mm. All right, if you want to go by that, then like, yeah, Mayu retire. Mayu Iwatani retires. Wow. I um, mean, MJ does ten, PR. He has. I mean, ten years. Wrestled as as, you know, as hellacious of a style as anyone over over these last ten years. Um, short, you know, Shochi retirements or whatever else. Like you know, I, I it, it it could happen. That's why I was. That's why I was like yeah. really bummed uh, out. MJ does. Go ahead. Sorry. Oh no, I was just going to ask the next question. Go ahead. Uh, that's why I was kind of like bummed out when um, pandemic. It goes like, yo, but the, at the rate of this, like, I'm, there's no chance we would get to like their 10th anniversary show, which actually uh, they did la- on um, on Sunday. So I was like, I want to see that because and see that in an element because like Mayu may retire. I mean, she hasn't yet, or maybe like, but she could be a person that's like anywhere, anything between retiring and like being a lifer for the next, you know. 20 years is all on the table, but I can see anything in between for her, honestly. Yeah. So, uh, hopefully I was bold enough. Uh, so, uh, MJ does PR says, what promotion produces the best entrance music and also top five entrance themes in the game right now? I don't know if I can think of five on the top of my head. I can tell you ones that I like. Um, as far as like what promotion produces the best entrance music, I would probably go with New Japan. Um, I'm not going to give you much in the way of like, you know, rap type stuff, but it's always going to sound big and epic. Like, um, except like, uh, Abushi's like Abushi's music does nothing for me. Um, but you start thinking about Naito's music, uh, Jay White's music, uh, Okada's music, 
Ace's music. Uh, I know, like, they changed Will Ospreay's music, but he was, you know, coming out to uh, Elevated before. That was fucking great. Yeah. And I know that was, like, kind of made outside, but... Ishii. um, Yeah. Um, They've got lots of great interest music, like, in Japan. And I feel like between WWE and AEW, like, there are great themes in both, and then there are bad themes in both. Um... I'll probably go New Japan too for that same reason. Like I think the people that are the top people, I feel like more more of the stuff is memorable. Um, I do. I, what I will say is I do not like the era we're in with interest music to where like most most people's music does not have uh, or do not have uh, vocals on them. Um, to me, it kind of feels like mm-hmm. a cop out. Uh, but whatever, that's that's a personal preference thing. Yeah, I, I like Kenny's theme. I like Naito's theme. I like um Damn, they did change Johnny Gargano's theme. I don't like his theme now. Um, oh yeah, like her and or his I and like, stuff sucks now. Yeah, I like the Bucks theme. I like uh all the people I named in New Japan. Um I also like Sasha's um, theme. The original. I the like. One now. I like the original, personally. Yeah, I like the original one more too. Um, trying to think. Um, uh, Undisputed is uh, also dope. Kevin Owens has always had dope uh, theme music. Um, I like the Usos' old music a lot. <laughs> um. Who else? Um, Hangman's music sounds sounds epic at the right, you know, in the right setting. I feel like at Revolution that was like, yeah, like if you don't see it with that, like that's like that was the perfect setting for it. Um, Jericho's music, even though it's like kind of on the way out of here, I feel like, um, you know, like that shit, like that shit has rang off for like three years now. Um, and that was like you know not made by the wrestling promotion <laughs> um yeah so like interesting music is weird because like there i think there's only like a especially in wrestling because there's only uh there's a limited amount of people that do it so it's like it, you know i i think you gotta like look a level deeper like for for dope entrance uh yeah. themes well, so, um, for me, now that Nakamura has his original WWE music back, I think he has the best music in the game. Oh, again. yeah. Um, so, like, thank, thanks for that, for giving us back, you know, the best music interest of, like, you know, like the last, like, five <laughs> or six years of wrestling. Um, so, you got that. Um, it sucked that, you know, uh, Osprey no longer uses Elevated, but whatever. He's a, he's a character change or whatever. Um, so if if for me like I will put Nakamura way up there, I'll put Jericho's way up there. Um, this is all personal preference, of course. Um, I like El Desperado's theme a lot. Um, <laughs> you know anything, anything that sounds like mariachi, like I'm all I'm always with it. <laughs> That's funny. Um, I'm trying to. Think I like the theme one. song that I produced for um, for Grave Consequences. Um. So if you guys haven't heard of that, check that out. Um, um, as far as NXT, there's nothing that really grabs me right now. They like the except for I'm not getting thing. 
I was like, I'm not getting down with the fallen prey. Like they can fuck oh, no. off. Hell no. Um, <laughs> like Alistair Black should be way better than that. Um, or is still way yeah. better than whatever. Uh, um, as far as uh, looking through AEW, I like Private Party's newer new one now. Um, I, I, oh, Keith Lee, Keith Lee's new one after they've gone through the fiasco of his NXT music. And then the the shit they tried to give him at first, like the music that he he has now, I I, I really like. Um, Darby, uh, I, yeah, I like Darby's his, is up there. Um, Moxley's just feels so like familiar. I can't quite put my like finger Moxley. on it. It, it's like it gets your it gets your head bobbing like and, and your heart like kind of racing when you yeah. hear it. I think. Yeah. Um. You know, like me, like I. Quite frankly, I thought about this for like sampling Ishii's music and then like treating like a Jalo beats beat. Yeah. Um. But I haven't done it, and like I bet somebody some somebody does it now. But whatever. Um. It's fine. Um. But yeah, uh, you know, I'm actually throwing Ishii's theme into like into <laughs> like probably like two years ago. Like, I mean, like? I'm, I'm dead serious. Like you put like you took the beginning like the first few bars of Ishii's thing, loop it, and yeah. then like you, you, I mean, you already have the hi hats on there, or, or not hi hats, but the snares on there, and then like you do the Jalo beat like version of it, and then like you just imagine Meek Mill from like a decade, uh, not a decade, like eight years ago rapping over it, and like yeah. boom, like that's another version of like I'm a boss. Like, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyway, uh, so yeah, like um, you know, you mentioned it, like Okada, Tanahashi, um, um, Naito. I really like Naito's a lot. Yeah, like his music um, is like unfuckable. Like, yeah. Uh, Ray Phoenix's music. It's just uh, Lucha Brothers. It's just hilarious. Yeah, Lucha Bros. Work Lucha Bros. Mexican Zero Man. <laughs> <laughs> Venus in the ring. Stupid. Sammy G. Um. Uh. I also like. Uh. I like Sting's music. I, I think that that music is great. Uh, it's a new one. It's hard for me because it's like it'll never be the it'll never be the WCW shit or whatever else and like even like even when he was in WWE and they had the right oh, that, that music was terrible yeah it's like WWE music. he brought him back and then you said that he's basically like you know the 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 vigilante that's up in the up in the fucking catwalk is still and it's like then you use new music it's like you own the rights to the music what the fuck anyway um uh, as far uh, as underrated one this is war the war dog <laughs> um I have a fondness for Braun Strowman just for the fact that like back when we were really yeah. into watching WWE at the time like he would cut, like, once that shit once he, that roar comes out and then you hear that shit that oh. shit sounds like doom he's finna whoop that ass uh so uh Joshi for me um I like Mayu's champion music Mayu's champion music is cool I love Momo's to be quite frank with you um it just sounds like it sound it's like it just sounds like try not triumphant. That's not the right word. It just sounds like it sounds big and like repeatable or whatever else in like in a bigger stage. Like I feel like it would work. Um, I really liked Hazuki's at the time, even though she's gone now. Kagetsu's was raw too. Um, I'm trying to think other. I, I, I like Nasu Nasu Poise. It just sounds and it adds to the fact they're like. 
I can't believe this woman is in the thug section <laughs> <laughs> with this baton and this this big bright uh, like uh, dance dance thing that she uh, comes out to. Um, I really like Micah's because Micah Micah just sounds like it. It sounds like it. It would have went. It would have been appropriate for like I don't know. New Japan in like or New Japan or all Japan like twenty years ago, um, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think any, any any oh I really actually take it back. Arisa Nakajima's and Seedling is awesome. Um, it sounds like it sounds like Swedish House Mafia shit um, from a decade ago, um, and I like Nanai's because Nanai's has like this build up to where it feels like once she comes out, it's not impending doom, but it's on once she comes out. It's like. Like it's just it's like the ass kicker is coming out. It's about to it's just finna go down when she comes out. So yeah, like those would be the ones I got. Mandy Rose's theme. Mandy Oh yes, Maybach music. Yeah. Maybach music. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one too. Um, I used to really like the um, not recently. I like Shayna Baszler's theme. Um, it reminds me so much of Pete Dunn's, um, especially mm. like the beginning. Uh, I liked Ruby Riots before they like did stuff to it. We can go on forever talking about uh, yeah, that we like, but yeah, yeah. There's like there. I think some of the theme music gets a bad rap, like that because it's very generic. It's easy to brush like all oh, all theme music bad. It's like no, there's, there's a lot more good themes than there are bad themes. It's just the bad ones fucking stand out because you might hear them a lot based on who's being pushed and who's not. Yeah, I think there's more that there's like so many that. Do- oh, you know who has a really good one that like never gets any play? Miz. Miz has good theme music. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. It has a really good like a uh, breakdown in it. Whatever. Um, yeah. Uh, JML asks. He said, "Rich, will you go to Mania if they allow fans?" Um, I normally don't go to WrestleMania under normal circumstances. So, all right. So I'll <laughs> I'll, ad- I'll adapt the question. Will you if they have indie shows on WrestleMania weekend? Will you go? If they're outside, those are in smaller numbers typically. So I think I would feel better going to those um but wrestlemania with like 10 or twenty thousand people i'm okay off that i'm gonna pass on that because you're just around so many more people like i i went to aw all out and you know i was fine and you know it was like that's right you have been, that's there. right you have been out yeah, in the streets i forgot yeah. about that yeah been out here you know not living in fear you know <laughs> But, uh, um, yeah, I went out there, uh, and it was perfectly fine. Just wear your mask. Don't go near anybody. You know, sit with your group. But, like, with 20,000 people, I've, I've, I've somehow feel a lot, like, better with, like, 500 people. Mm-hmm. Then, <laughs> or, like, however many it was at All Out. Um, then, uh, Jim also had a question for you, James. He says, how does Sari succeed in this era of NXT? Does she need an entire character change? Well, well, let I, real quick, I'll get to, like, I guess he only asked you because he, I guess he already knew, like, I ain't going nowhere. I'm good. I'll just, I'll yeah. just buy it. I'll yeah. just buy the shit on fight. So, I'm glad, yeah, so, at first, so, anyway, we get to his question. Um, 
As far as Ceri's character, like I don't really know much about Ceri's character. I've only really cherry picked her uh, some of the matches I've seen from her last uh, year and change. Um, mm-hmm. uh, like the most I know of her character is her her story arc of uh, uh, where she's gotten to where she's now tagging with Yashiko and, and Seedling. Um, I, I don't know. My concern with her is that. It's kind of the same concern I had when I first watched Momo, because uh, they remind me of each other a lot. Uh, like, Suri is basically Momo if Momo uh, did more, more uh, quite frankly, harder head kicks and did head drops or, or, or neck drops. Um, so, for me, my concern is what is she going to look like? when they don't want her to do what she does to have the awesome matches that she has had over the last uh, couple years. And how will she adjust to that? Like, I... And this kind of thing, when I think about, like, why I don't really enjoy as much um, Arisa Shiki as you do, is, like, I think it, like... This shouldn't matter, but... Because, like, I I don't think anyone's going to just come... I don't think any and everyone's going to come over here to WWE, but it's, like... If I saw, I don't, I don't know how, what the hell Arisa Shiki would do if she had came over to WWE. Like, you wanted her, you, you wanted to now do chain wrestling. That's not, she has never anything she ever did, really did. But um, as far as uh, Sari character, I don't know. I think she's probably gonna be a smiling baby face. Just a smiley whitey baby face, and then yeah. they'll probably <laughs> change it, and then they'll she'll get over as some type of crazy person and then they'll go from there um like th- if you ask me if there was ever reason for them to really change Io Shirai uh heel or, or turn her heel I would say no because they turned her heel she rustled as a baby face she got over as the most o- she got over more than anybody in that division as a heel and then they just sh- they just all one day was like she's a baby face again um so it was unnecessary if they wanted to change her character they could have had her, you know, off TV after EO got, um, after, uh, you know, Kyrie got her arm broken and then sent her back and she went crazy and she decided to change some things up, but they decided to have her murder Candace and then do that. But whatever. We got those matches, so it doesn't matter. Um, apparently Alexa Bliss destroyed Asuka tonight. Was it a title match or something? Um, they had a match, and then all these gifts are floating all over the timeline of like Oscar being afraid of her, and she's blocking Oscar's punches like with in the right side and then the left side, and completely dominating her. Whatever. And it's like you know some goofy fiend bullshit. Um, so remember, they have never actually given Oscar a real push, y'all. Like I, I think I'm going to start beating that drum. Um, like they always make her look stupid when it comes down to it. Always. Um, I don't know how you distinguish that from saying like any other baby face in the company. <laughs> so it's like, like I don't know if that's an Oscar thing or if that is a baby face thing that is bad at WWE. Um, but I mean, I guess it's, it is worth I, uh, you know, um, asking those questions. Uh, but back to Sarif, I, I, I don't know. Um, I feel I would. I don't. I really don't know. I I have no idea what to do with her. Like I, I hope they keep her presentation at first, at least, because like she has incredible ring gear. Like she's one of the best dressed wrestlers in the world. Um, mm-hmm. 
and like I like her music. Her intro music is actually kind of fucking epic and dope. But obviously, I don't think that's staying either. Um, like I hope she stays love to she stays long enough to where or she gets over here fast enough to where like she can have a match with EO before she leaves. Like I w- I want to see a quote unquote Joshi match on a takeover or whatever else. Like I got jobbed out of. We never saw Kyrie and Oscar. We never saw um, EO turning on Kyrie. Sorry. It stole from you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, like, I want to see EO versus Sari and, like, ha- let them go out there and have the match they can have. Like, that's the thing that's so... I don't want to say... I was going to say so frustrating because it's not really that frustrating, but that's one of the things that's, like... That's, for me, it's kind of like the... I don't think y'all really know how dope some of these women actually are. Like, when we were at, um... I think it was, uh... T- Toronto. Or not... We weren't at Toronto. We were watching Toronto. It was a group of us... And like uh, Candice and EO had the best match on that takeover, and it was like a four. And a lot of y'all gave it four and a four and a quarter, four and a half, or whatever. So I was like, y'all don't understand. Like, this isn't a top twenty EO match. <laughs> they're 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 close beyond this. Like, so I, like I, I want to see her have one of those or something approaching one of those in a WWE fashion. Um, obviously, the pacing will will be a, a difference, but like. Like you know, they let people kill each other on takeovers or whatever else uh, as far as physicality. So like, I don't think there'd be a problem for letting them do that um, if they want to do that again anymore. But uh, yeah, I just um, I'm interested to see how it goes. I think she comes in and you know immediately you know make makes makes the rounds through squashing people or destroying people as a kicker um, and a baby face, and then they'll go from there. Like she can get mean and rough and nasty or whatever else. I I forget how tall she is. I think she's like maybe like five four or five three. I can't remember, but whatever. Um, but second she steps in, she's to NXT anyway. She's like the if EO's still around, she's like the second best wrestler in the in the division. Maybe maybe Ember's better than her technically. Um. But they're never gonna push her, so I mean, yeah, yeah, right. So yeah, like at least top, at least at worst number three, at worst number three. Looks like uh, Alexa Bliss gave her the sister Abigail, so she's like full, like possessed, like yuck, whatever. Utter how shit. Come, how like, come? Uh, how come Charlotte didn't save her? Her tag team partner. Yeah. Oh, we totally forgot about that whole fucking thing. Charlotte out here yelling at a fan. I'm glad she never listened to One Nation Radio because, like, we, I, like, me personally, I have been cooking her for like a year and a half on this show. So, uh, you know, send these clips to Charlotte. Maybe longer than that. Yeah. Oh, you saw me look in the air like, I think it's longer than that, bro. Probably like a, probably like closer to, two years to two and a half years ever since the becky thing has been like because it's been Open obvious season. yeah ever since like that that summer same 2018 has been like yeah man like this is a this is not working the way that y'all think it is and y'all need to adjust and y'all keep fighting it for some weird reason yeah she's like uh yelling at or going on multi-tweet threads yelling at writers and getting ethered by said writers and uh, because she didn't actually read the article yeah um She's just in. She's just in stop picking on me mode, which is like I get it, but it's like it's like, bro. She's been back a month. She's been back a month, bro, a month, and like she already here with it. I I suggest that she asks Sasha Banks about scrutiny. I I suggest that she, uh, you know, 
go ahead and go ahead and get pushed like Oscar for like a year. <laughs> and look, you know, uh, you know, go ahead and uh, and deal with Bianca Belair had to fucking deal with this year. Go ahead and um, you know, have what was done to Rhea Ripley be done to you. You know, yeah, or Shayna. Yeah, like. I'm sorry. I I find it. I find Charlotte Flair uh, not. I don't easily feel sorry for her because, like, <sighs> look. I'm gonna just say it. Like, she's never been the best of them, or most over, which is most important, and like. Like there is no like like there are like you know Charlotte has her own like little stands but like um, Sasha Banks was always more over than her she was always better than her and they didn't choose her originally and they spent uh, they they directed all of Sasha Banks's momentum into trying to build Charlotte and this shit is never like heated up for charlotte like that in any way and then you see charlotte's gone for most of this year who the fuck like takes over yeah the boss like <laughs> like and you know and, and, by that point in learned- time, and by that point in time charlotte's not even really somebody that you think oh my god she can take over the reins to, to the extent because it's like nah like we this the real thing is becky is gone and we're just holding on really or Becky and Ronda yeah. are going and we're holding on really and then like they elevated Sasha to that level that she like, should have been elevated two years before yeah what do you mean and it ain't like you know how they were doing Charlotte and be like yeah you're getting a new opponent every month to deal this, do this with like like Sasha was in there with Carmella like <laughs> and figured it out like you know so um yeah but uh, I, I don't really have much more. I just uh, thought I'd mention that really quick. Like I still think Charlotte is great. I just think that, um, and I and I do sympathize with her plight because like it's legitimate that like she gets a lot of shit that is undeserved. Like somebody picked her. No one like everybody asked to be picked. Like why is why is you know because someone actually tapped her on the head. And does she get to hate? Because everybody's everybody is asking to be picked. Um, but I mean, I don't want to do the it comes with the territory thing because like that excuses people's shitty behavior. Um, so I'm not even going to say it. But w- but what I will say is, um, once you get it, you shouldn't feel sorry. You shouldn't feel sorry for yourself that you got it or feel or pit or or do the woe is me thing that she's been doing because it's like you got it. You won. Yeah. You shouldn't feel like, you sh- like nope. You shouldn't feel like, guilty, you know, and you shouldn't feel bad that people are treating you bad because you ultimately won, or you are winning, or whatever you want, to, uh, whatever tense you want to put that in. No, or like the great prophet Shorty Lowe said, it must be two sides, you know. <laughs> so, yeah. Anyway, I, I have no more. Yeah. Oh, uh, uh, vote in the One Nation Radio Awards. Uh, yeah. This is going to be the last week. Uh, I'm going to try to do the tabulations um, at least by Saturday. Uh, I don't know if we're going to do the award show next week, but I, I don't think anything major is happening uh, by next week. So okay. um, that might be the time to do it. If not, probably first week of February might work. So 
get excited, everybody. I would, you know, I, I think you guys are going to find these awards very interesting. Um, I think we picked a lot of good categories. There's only a couple of them where, you know, we put some on there and it barely got anything. So, uh, yeah, you guys represented well. And then, uh, a lot of people have been, you know, sharing it. So, uh, yeah. uh, quick stardom thing uh not the anniversary show because not i think there's only like three or four matches that are actually up right now but um last week not last weekend but essentially last weekend shows for monday and saturday i think um i want to say it was the uh i want to say it was the saturday show um, they had a Starlight Kid and Lissaya match versus uh, Nasco Tora and B Priestley, which was really good. I ended up giving it three and a half stars. And then um, the main event of that show, I believe, was Utami, Momo, and Azumi, the top three of Queen's Quest versus Julia, Micah, and Natsupoi. And, um, you know, they're in a trios match and they're basically um, wrestling each other. Uh, Basically, it's a wrestling match. Uh, I mean, they're mostly focused on have showing you the confrontation between Micah and Utami uh, for their red belt match at the 10th anniversary show. Uh, really good exchanges, like they always have. Uh, but I ended up going uh, three and three quarters on it. Um, Utami and Queen's Quest off to a really hot start as far as uh, like really good matches. So um, can't wait till it finally all gets uploaded. Yep. Uh, did you? find out about the 10th anniversary title match yet or no i know no results don't tell me shit. Oh, okay. i don't know any post match or anybody showing up or any announcements as far as um tickets for the budokan stuff because i know that um i know that i think tickets go on sale for it uh in a week or two so like obviously they're gonna have a rollout plan rollout to get you know let you know more stuff is on the way but I don't know any of that I don't know anything don't tell me shit. Um, it's crazy and- how Manami Toyota showed up and you know <laughs> said I want the belt. See you, you see you being funny and all that shit like she's um she retired in 2017 and she's actually was on the uh, the Sumo Hall show in 2013. So like. If they reached out to her, she might show up. If there was the, the, the price is right, she might show up. We could do her and B, you know. Uh, what? Gets the, the move, you know. <laughs> you clip <imagine>? that. <laughs> end the show. <laughs> That's the end of the show. Be sure to raise over app you're using to listen to this with. Uh, be sure to tell the folks about the Social West Podcast Network. Also, uh, check out prowrestlingtees.com slash social suplex and pick up some official social suplex podcast network merchandise and also be sure to check out the other shows on the network on this show we have uh i'm saying on the on mondays and tuesdays we have normally have this show one nation radio tuesdays for now at least uh keep it a strong style wednesday the ricky and Clyde wrestling podcast every other wednesday groman watches shit thursday the grave consequences podcast Friday, 8-Bit Suplex, Saturday, All Things Elite, and Sunday's Great Match Generator. Thanks for listening, y'all. Peace. Later. Say goodbye. 
to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.